Okay, in five, four, three, two, one. Good afternoon, everyone. You are tuned into another episode of Styles and Driss. And uh, we are back in a diner. Yeah. Not so secretly recording from the Caspian Group office, but secretly recording from the Caspian Group office. Right. I told. I basically told my quote-unquote boss that I'm going to be recording from here. Yeah. From his office. And uh, he's like, yeah, dude, go ahead. I don't give a shit. He's like, make sure to uh, give me a special shout-out. Yeah. Not really, but I will give him a mm-hmm. shout-out. Shout-out to uh, Mr. Marshall Wynn of the Caspian Group, VP, Vice President, one of them. Uh, this dude is like literally been my best friend since the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. One of my first friends when I moved here. Uh, I was the best man at his wedding. Oh, dope. Most likely, he'll probably be the best man at mine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, I owe a lot to this guy. Definitely has helped me out uh, tremendously. And he's the fucking funny thing. He's actually calling me right now. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to pick up. Um, helped me out tremendously through this wonderful world of real estate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yeah, it's continuously continuing to help me out and mentor me. Uh, financially, honestly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, shout out to him. Uh, former dancer too, correct? Yep. Yeah. He's the one that actually got me um, heavily into breaking. So we were a part of a crew called Propaganda Crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you that are in the breaking scene here in Minnesota that have been around for some time, you should probably know that crew. Um, <clears throat> and, um, yeah, you know, it's. I guess I blame, don't really blame, but I owe a lot of my... Um, introductions really mm-hmm. into many things to to that guy you yeah know, one dance real estate golf uh freaking um what's it called like self-improvement type of um journeys you know yeah. whether it be like reading books listening to audios and whatnot yeah but yeah, I don't know. This fucker just keeps on introducing me to shit. <laughs> he's <laughs> your gateway friend. Yeah. He's yeah. like he's the one who's like, you know, oh, yeah, man. He's the one who gave me my first beer. He's the one who taught me my first head spin. He did this. He did that. All I need is Coke, and we're good to go. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah. Shout out to Marshall. Mm-hmm. And his, uh, is he still driving that badass Tesla? No, he sold it. He sold Ooh. it. Yeah. It's, this guy is notorious for... Selling shit that you think really works out and fits him Mm -hmm. and just buys like random shit. So he sold that. He sold his Range Rover Mm -hmm. and then ended up like getting um, one of those new Genesis cars. Genesis Um, car. I haven't even heard about that. Yeah. It's like the luxury brand of Hyundai. Oh, Um, okay. And and, um, is it like fully electric? No, it's gas because he he doesn't want electric. It's funny. He doesn't want electric. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because the issue with electric cars here in Minnesota is during the winter time, yeah, the battery dies quicker, right? Uh, so it's it's just a shitty issue. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were in California, it'd be a different story, right? Or somewhere warmer, it'd be a different story, right? But we live here in Minnesota, which is one of the coldest states in the United States. Mm-hmm. Actually, we're colder than Canada in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's shitty, but yeah. it is a beautiful car. Don't right. get me wrong. And the Range Rover is just way too much yeah <laughs> i was like i'm like how the hell i was like i get it you know you have family now you bought a range rover cool yeah but why 
Um, and you know, me, I'm more of like the, the difference, me and him, we're pretty much alike mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but I'd say he's more bougie than I am. Okay. I'm more of like a simple kind of guy that's practical. Mm-hmm. You know, he's practical too, but he likes that, that flashiness, you know, right. he likes that high life, Right. but he's, it's weird because he has that flashiness, but he's one of the most humble people you will ever fucking meet. Yeah. Like, you, if you really, from the outside, you're like, damn, this guy's a fucking baller. Right. But when you really talk to him, you're like, holy shit, man. He's, he was literally dirt poor like I was. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's, you know, he has that, he has that, um, what do you call it? That point of view. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, um, sold the Tesla Range mm-hmm. Rover. Um, ended up getting the Genesis, mm-hmm. and now he has to find a car for his wife. Okay, which is most likely going to be a fucking Tesla again. Yeah, uh, but it's going to be like the model. I think it's the Model X. It's okay. the one with like the Falcon wings. Uh-huh. So when you open the back doors, they like rise up like they're about to fly. Okay, so he's going to get that for her, and then I think he'll keep his Genesis, and mm-hmm. he's going to get like a fucking truck. Yeah, like a like a big ass pickup truck. Yeah, it's just a smart to, play, just to have for like the day to day and like you know hauling shit around and whatnot. Yeah. Which I was like, dude, get a Tundra because that's what I'm gonna get. Right, like probably the end of this year or next year, I'm gonna get a Toyota Tundra and I'm gonna fucking deck it out and that's gonna be like my day to day. Yeah, you know, and I'm, I'm gonna keep my Rav Four and um, I don't know, just maybe give it to my mom, have mm-hmm. her drive it and whatnot. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> so uh the dude is the dude is crazy man i'm like you fucking you're notorious for selling selling shit that you think really works out well yeah, yeah i'm like what the fuck i mean he's a business guy so you yeah know. he's he's he strikes me as the kind of guy who's always trying to he flips a lot of stuff yeah like you, you never uh you never want to get too like focused on stagnation Mm-mm. And there's a lot of yeah. people that like they think like okay once I make X amount of dollars that's it I'm done mm-hmm. and there's other people who are like yo once I get that car I'm done or yo once I hit that move I'm done I don't need to do anything anymore as opposed to saying like okay now I got that um, what's next yeah so. one thing that I've learned from him you know and he's one of the one of the most successful people I know mm-hmm. uh, is that you're in, it's never going to be enough no like what you have will never be enough Mm -hmm. and that's okay because Mm -hmm. and what we think when we're on the other side of the fence we think that shit if i had that that'd be enough for me Mm -hmm. but once you have it you know it's it's human nature to just want to evolve yeah right to to get to the next level Mm -hmm. like where can i really get to the next i mean that's why you have like all these crazy fucking billionaires and tycoons Mm -hmm. still flipping shit yeah because it's never enough Mm -hmm. and then economically you got taxes too, right? So it's never going to be enough economically either. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, like it's it's something that it's unfortunate, but it's something that you have to kind of just go with and accept. Yeah. Now, what's never going to be enough for me is going to be it's going to be different from what's never going to be enough for you, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm I'm probably. Right now, I can say that, look, I'm okay if I make 400000 this year. Mm-hmm. But once I make it, I'm like, well, shit. I wonder if I can make 800000 Right. You know? Like, I've already... And when I first started in real estate, I was like, look, if once I make 
once I double mm-hmm. what I made at Park Nicollet yearly, I'm cool. Yeah. Well, I fucking did that already. Yeah. So I'm like, well, now let me see if I can get to the next level. Mm-hmm. You know, and let, let's see if I can do more shit. Right. Like, because of that, I paid off my mom's car like last month. Mm-hmm. No, this month. Congratulations. Up, thanks. Yeah. I paid off my mom's car. She doesn't know yet. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Like she's going to think she has like a car payment coming up at the end of this month. And little does she know. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> she just has to pick up the um, title from the bank yeah. and then call it a day. But anyways, um, you know, it's like it's fun. Mm-hmm. It, it ends up being fun, and it comes down to, like, how you look at it. Yeah. Now, I think once I reach a higher, like, a higher level in financially, I, you know, now I can really start doing shit that I've always wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be – and it sounds cliche, but honestly – genuinely giving back to the community yeah throwing like an event not caring about the door price mm-hmm. so charging like a minimum of like five bucks rather than like 25 30 dollars right i mean no disrespect to any of the events here in minnesota that are doing that but i'm like look dude at the end of the day if it's a community event i'd probably go low yeah you know it's a community community event for a reason mm-hmm. i think on an average someone will have five dollars on hand right you know rather than 20 to 35 bucks right I mean, and it's expected when you, if you book out like a big venue spot where you have to be able to cover the the cost of the rental of the establishment and everything, that's why, you know, for instance, if you were to be doing um, like a house event and you've used like a localized space that, you know, they said, oh yeah, it's only like 50 bucks to rent it out for, you know, this day on the weekend or whatever versus like you're booking out the armory. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have the armory. Well, then that's that's why you have to charge, you know, 20, right. 30, 40 bucks right. you know, per head. It's, it's economics. Yeah. It's all economics, right? But I think at the end of the day, with all these grants that are yeah. kicking in and flowing in through the economy, uh-huh. there's, a, there's a certain way to do it. Exactly. You know, and I mean, again, I'm a simple guy. So as plain as I see it, mm-hmm. it's find a grant that works and that can fund what your vision is, mm-hmm. hire a grant writer, pay them a 10% fee or a 20% fee, and then use that grant through, through the whole, for the whole event right. to keep it within the, use that grant as the budget yep. for the event. Don't go over budget, fucking assholes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then call it a day. Yeah. You know, charge whatever you want at the door. Again, me, I'd charge a minimal fee where literally it'll pack the place out because right. of how minimal it is. Yeah. Um, now, Again, people won't agree with that. That's fine. But that's just my vision. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Word. Um, <clears throat> what do you think about that Opus Quad? The Opus Quad? Mm-hmm. Uh, enlighten me to that. So it's the new Pioneer gear that just came out. Oh, oh that, that yeah, that one that kind of looks like... it. <laughs> I remember looking at it for the first time, and I was like, this looks like a DJ controller that was like manufactured by Bose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it looks does, that legit. Yeah, it's and it's like it's got this um slightly um, like a premium look to it. Yeah, like it, it reminded me of like some of those um like back in the day when you would buy a Lexus mm-hmm. and the whole interior was like even though it's like mod, it's got like these kind of slightly like wood 
like wood panel types of like looks on the interior of like the car and the stereo and everything. Everything kind of looked like it was manufactured out of like, you know, like Swedish, you know, like building materials and shit. And you're kind of like, what the fuck? And, but then like everything was, you know, super ahead of the, the curve and stuff. Sound system is great and everything. Yeah. I, I took a look at that and, um, there were a couple of things that were, I know that if I was ever to like play on it, I'd probably get like the ins and outs, but there was just like a few things that I noticed that were different than like standard pioneer gear where I go, okay, I, I would never want to just jump on that at a gig without having some prep work mm-hmm. and getting used to it. Because I know that there's like certain things there where I was going like, well, how, how do you do this? And then you're, and then like the, the guy that was doing like the demo on it was like, oh yeah. And if you, if you're like really good in, or you like to do like looping and shit, um, the loop function is just slightly different now and mm-hmm. it doesn't have this button or that button, but if you do this, then it, you know, and I'm like, Oh, kind of like how, um, when I was like fucking with your, your Denon. Yeah. It has the, um, what's it called? The loop. It's, it's the same deal. It's the same button. It's a, but it's like a rotary dial. Yeah. It's so, the same one as the Denon. Yeah. It has like, yeah, it's literally a rotary dial Yeah, for it. And, um, yeah, I think, so I think that. It's a unique mm-hmm. controller. Yeah. Um, I think they've definitely evolved. Mm-hmm. You know, like they they have the smooth effects key now. They've, or they have it on this controller. They had it on two other controllers. Mm-hmm. They have, um, like their touchscreen is on another level. They've, yeah. They've added the, um, the keypads or beat pads up closer to the screen up top, mm-hmm. which kind of simulates like the CDJ 300, 3000s. Yeah. Um, what is it? What else did they? Oh, you can actually play four channels mm-hmm. on standalone. You don't need a, like a laptop. Right. So that's pretty unique. Mm-hmm. There's a function to where you can, where you can interchange like the effects on the screen just by taking your finger and dragging it across the screen. Like it's pretty unique. Yeah. My only, and it's, it's a beautiful it's it's beautiful, you know. It's a yeah. beautiful setup. But my only issue with it is that one, it's still plug and play. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry. There's two two issues with it. One, it's still plug and play. Mm-hmm. Two, it's fucking big. Yeah. It it's like if it was smaller, if it was the size, maybe the RX three. Yeah. But even smaller, I would consider it. Mm-hmm. I would honestly consider it because yeah, it's legit. Yeah. But man, they still don't have shit on the Denon. Yeah, the Denon, Denon Prime Go, mm-hmm. being that's just strictly well, it can be just battery powered for four hours, mm-hmm. or you know the size of it, you know all that shit. Yeah, and I see that they did take a few jabs at the Denon, Denon Prime with the whole uh, beat loop knob mm-hmm. and whatnot, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, but. Man, it's just the size. Yeah, and having to haul that shit around. <laughs> like, I, I really wonder what um, Sagar, mm-hmm. who's the guy that bought my XDJXZ, I wonder. I really wonder how he's doing hauling that shit around. Yeah, because I'm looking, and you know, he was like, and shout out to them. I, I think they're um, it's like Beatbox or Boombox is their the name of their event here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But like, he was. I looks. I was looking at it when they were selling it. So I was like, dude, get ready to fucking like put your back into this shit. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what you think. Yeah. So. You know, I, 
You know, what was kind of interesting was like, I was thinking about this. What would kind of be a dope idea is if you had something that was like smaller and more compact that the built-in component was a carrying case. So you would, you know, like, so, so basically like it would already be like in its own, like enclosed box, Mm -hmm. but then you would just like open it up and then like it would hinge all the way around to the bottom and then elevate it. And you were ready to go. You didn't need to have a case or anything because you, you have the the type of hardware now Mm -hmm. where um, you can make stuff like really sturdy externally, but at the same time, it's like the, one of the advantages of having a carrying case is that you have like the additional foam liner Mm -hmm. that can protect the gear from like shock and everything. And um, so I get that on um, the level of like, if you have something like a CDJ uh, or something that's like bigger, uh, like, like some of the other bigger controllers that you would need to have like a separate uh, carrying case that like it goes into and then you remove it from. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about like the smaller stuff, like, you know, like den and go style things yeah. where they're kind of like a one-stop shop and it's all like small and compact. Mm-hmm. How much better it would be to have something like a, like a plastic flight case exterior. They, like uh, you see this all the time with like those work laptops that people have um, where you buy the laptop, but it, it's already built like the case is like built around it. Mm-hmm. And then all you do is like open up the top of it and you have access to the laptop, but this thing could go in the back of a, a Humvee and get like slammed around all day and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So I was, I always thought about like how dope that would be to have something like that. Um, yeah, I'm sure people can. So I've seen Diggy, um, DJ Diggy from here from Minnesota. He created something like that for his, for his decks. Okay. Um, where it's like literally, it looks like a standalone system. Okay. Where it's all already like encapsulated in mm-hmm. this in this rig that he created. And he just carries it around. Yeah. Just closes it up, carries it around. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, like that's. First of all, that's pretty. That's innovative. That's yeah. Genius. Second of all, that's heavy as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm looking. I'm thinking in my head like, gosh, damn, because those decks alone, like carrying one is already a hassle. Now right. you're going to carry the whole setup plus the mixer. Mm-hmm. Like, shit, dude. Yeah. But hey, good for you, man. Yeah, and I, I think he made that from like he created it. Okay. Like, he made it from scratch. So seeing something like that, I don't know. I think I like the feeling of taking out the um, what's it called. Taking out the controller mm-hmm. and setting it somewhere on its own, yeah, you know, because it just feels right. Like that was my favorite thing about owning the XZ, mm-hmm. where it's just taking it out of the out of the flight case and mm-hmm. just keeping it on there because it just looks gorgeous, yeah, you know. Now, and then, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's unique. It mm-hmm. would be unique, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, and I. Um... I, I've got a couple of different workarounds for my setup too. Um, I enjoy the um, the magma case that I have mm-hmm. because of the portability and also the fact that it's something that I can like throw over my shoulder and carry to the gig rather than having like a big wooden flight case, which I know is going to be like super sturdy. But then if you don't have wheels on that bitch, it's going to be a problem. Right. Especially when you're trying to like walk into the venue, you're going through a line. There's like a narrow corridor. You're going in through like a the uh, back parking area or something, and you have to wheel this clunky thing around. Um, it can be very difficult. So I like the convenience of being able to like throw that on my my shoulder along with like my backpack that's going to have you know my laptop and all my stuff in there. 
and uh, and then just go out and just start jamming. Like yesterday was a good example of that because I had um, I had my I, I do a gig periodically at this. Uh, for those of you who are not from Minnesota, we have a a, a town a city that's like south of us called Shakopee. It's kind of out in the boonie burbs that I like to affectionately call, where it's not the suburbs directly, but like just a little bit further beyond the reach of the suburbs, but a lot of people live out there. And um, there's a uh, tattoo shop, shout out to Crazy Lady Inc. in Shakopee, and they book me to spin every couple of weekends. So I go out there, and on my way out there, I, I get hit up by the owner, Al. And Al was like, hey, man, um, just a heads up, there's going to be a block party. like, and, and where the tattoo shop is is like in the... You know how like a lot of those uh, those small towns that eventually developed and became bigger and bigger, there would still be that traditional main street where it'd be like a couple of like old buildings that have been around since like you know the early 1900s and shit. Well, that's where their shop is. There's like this like strip that they have that has like a row of like bars and shops and boutiques and things, and the tattoo shop is right there. Well, they they blocked off like the the entire street area and. The thing is that Shakopee has got some, like, in that area, they got some unique parking anyway. And what I was always lucky to be able to do was I would be, like, driving just right by the shop, and all of a sudden, boom, there'd be a parking space. So I'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to be here for a few hours. I'll just park right here and walk in. Well, he hits me up, and he says, yeah, they're, they're doing this block party, so you have to park, like, off grounds, and then you have to hoof it back over. So if you want to, you could probably, like, pull up turn your hazards on, bring your gear in, get back in your car, drive around, look for a space or whatever, and that should be fine. But I lucked out and I like went on the, there's like a little kind of a, like a little back service area and it's for all the businesses that face towards the street. They have parking behind on the opposite end of the building and I was able to find a spot, but it was still a decent walk. So I was so glad that I had my, magma case and my uh, my backpack as opposed to i've got this other flight flight case that i bought um that was like custom uh that this guy made that's like a like a real big sturdy flight case right it's this big uh plastic joint that's like completely lined on the inside with foam and it's got uh rollers and it's got a little uh um uh, it's got a handle on the side so you can like wheel it up on its edge and you know drag it around but that thing is, it takes up space and it's more trouble than it's worth mm-hmm. unless I wanted to throw like everything in there. Like if I want to throw my laptop, um, you know, headphones, um, maybe I have like an extra mixer and like a whole bunch of other shit that I want to throw in there along with my controller, then you can kind of just toss everything in there and just have this one massive case. But it's it's a pain. Then I drive a Toyota Yaris. So... That thing is a bitch just to get into my car. Like, I have to, like, take the seats down and slide it in through the, the trunk and everything. And it's just, it's more trouble than it's worth. So the Magma case was awesome for this. And I was able to walk, like, almost two blocks and get over to the uh, uh, to the spot without any issues. And then, of course, as soon as you walk in, there's kind of like a little bit of a bottleneck when you initially walk into the tattoo shop. So you can't have the luxury of like wheeling in all this shit and taking up a bunch of space. You have to be like really narrow, get like straight to the back and then, you know, uh, unload all your gear. 
So yeah, I was like, I was very fortunate that I had all of this uh, stuff. I like, I, I kept thinking back to like what you've done too, which was going back to like economy and saying, okay, this is cool, but is it functional for me? And then when you think about like functionality, it reminds me of like what we do as dancers too, where you can say, okay, well, I could get that one move that will be very impressive, but is it going to like kind of help me express what I want to express in my dance? Or is it kind of like just extra fluff? Like it's just an unnecessary thing to do. And some people are like, no, I got to learn that move because, you know, it's going to be part of my repertoire. And there's other people who go, you know, I could learn air flares, but I mean, do I really need them? I'm, I'm a cypher kid. So do I really need to be able to do a move that takes up that much space? Or am I like somebody who likes to get into like densely packed clubs and have like real good tight footwork, have cypher awareness and all that kind of shit. So you, you notice that you move differently because of, you know, uh, uh, function over form. So I thought about that a lot and I was like, <laughs> kind of going like, damn, like this would also be like another one of those cases where like a Denon, uh, like a Denon go or, or things like that would be super useful because then you, I mean, you're putting everything just into a backpack and just walking right in and not having to worry about like clipping corners or bumping into anything or somebody stops to talk to you for five seconds and you don't have to sit here and like worry about your shoulder feeling like it's going to pop out of the socket. Cause you got the, the, the harness sling on your, your side and whatnot. So I think the whole thing with, um, as you brought it up with the whole move situation mm-hmm. and dance and whatnot, I think, and I've said this before, I'm like, look, man, if you're going to teach this thing, which I think I have a feeling, you know, maybe 80% of dancers eventually end up teaching mm-hmm. is that then it's good to have like a large arsenal yeah, and to know your shit yeah, or to at least have perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, if you don't have any ambition or any goal at all to teach, like the dance, whatever dance you're in, then just pick what you like yeah. and go with it. Right. Uh, and I, I, I openly say that with every class that I teach, because everyone thinks they go into a class thinking like, damn, I got to fucking learn this, learn that new, and, you know, I got to, I got to learn everything. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you don't, yeah. you don't have to learn everything. You don't have to do what I fucking did. Mm-hmm. I did it because I knew I was going to teach this shit. Right. You know, and I, I didn't want to look like a fucking dumbass. Yeah. Like saying, well, what does this move call? You know, like, <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to know, like, yep, this is exactly what I it is. This is how I learned it. And I want to know how to break it down. Right. You know, and <clears throat> and I think people just misinterpret that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then, which causes them to fucking throw 10,000 moves in one round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, just pick two moves and vibe with it, man. Yeah. Like, we did that... Um, uh, yes, not yesterday, day before yesterday at, uh, at session yeah. where sometimes, um, when you cipher, there's people who, and I, and I, and I've learned this through personal experience because of just like, even through conversation, right? Sometimes you might lose the point that you're trying to make because you're becoming too elaborate in how you want to articulate Mm-hmm. your point right you're like really trying to get technical but you're not technical at all yeah and you know i i always joke around about it um because you hear that with like for instance like people who go to prison and then when they come out and they start 
you know, writing, like, you know, they get, they get into social media and stuff and you'll notice that they start misallocating words. Like they, they start, you, you, they'll, they'll be like, well, actually respectfully speaking, as I'm saying, we're in this vis-a-vis and you go, what the fuck is your point, dude? Like, just get to the point. Just say like, oh, yeah. you're wrong. Respectfully, I think you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. But the person wants to be flowery and articulate in their speech because, you know, they've read court dockets. It's, I, I always joke around. It's like in Goodwill Hunting when, uh, when Chucky was at Will's job interview and he was trying to just use big words. But you could tell that all he's ever been through is the court system. <laughs> so he kept saying, allegedly, your case <laughs> wherein would... You know, <laughs> and, it, and it was like, and it was so funny because he just, he, you, you could just tell that he was just bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that uh, to go back to the main point, otherwise I would fall victim to this myself, um, is at, in dance, I think sometimes people try to be overly articulate because they think that's what's going to win the round or get attention or get respect as opposed to keeping it like simple. And understandable for everybody. So you see that with like, um, I notice that a lot of times when I watch Jardy, where it's kind of like he almost like picks a lane and he says, this is my theme. And my theme is going to be um, uh, Pot of Beret. So the entire way through, he'll be doing like variations and things that flow in and out of the Pot of Beret. But the Pot of Beret is like the, the foundation of what he's doing in his in his run versus going like, all right, I'm going to do a pot of, pot of array, skate, scribble, and then I'm going to do this, 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 this. And he's like tacking on all the stuff like it's, you know, like Legos or whatever. And every and it just, it, it doesn't seem like it, it matches up or makes sense. Or he might be like, okay, this entire run that I'm doing, I'm just jacking my body. And you see that that's the, the, the tie that binds, right? And, you know, and that was like a big thing that I learned from you as well because, um, you'll when you go out and you do a run in your dance you'll have kind of like a um for lack of a better term like you have like a thesis right you have a theme that you're trying to express through this and in your run you're like all right so in this one i'm going to be hitting this one specific accent so i'm not going to go so far that i did that one accent and then i never go back to it it's like i'll still wait for another eight count and then hit that accent again and then da 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 Accent, da 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 da. Accent, and then people see it and they go, "Oh, okay, I, I see what you're doing," and they appreciate it. And then you watch other people that will kind of um, go through their their cycle of moves as if like they only know like a thousand words. So, so every time they have a sentence, they have to try to fit a thousand words into their sentence, rather than saying like, "All right, what are the two words that are the most impactful that are going to get my point across?" I use those in this one. And then someone goes, wow, that was really eloquent how you put that together, but also to the point. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's like, it's an important factor that we oftentimes will neglect at the expense of trying to impress other people or to seem like we know what we're doing or to like get confidence. You know, we're trying to like, you know, show that we have this flair and this ability and you'll watch guys that'll just fucking, they'll just groove Mm -hmm. through a run. And you go, man, that, it was like you didn't even really do anything overly like crazy, but you're, you were so in the pocket with the groove, and people vibed off of that. 
you know, and they say, wow, man, you really just, that was impressive. So yeah, I, I think that that's like an important factor that, you know, we need to keep into perspective whenever we're doing anything in life, but also like, especially in dance and in DJing and you're, you're getting equipment or you're doing things, you're, you're getting certain types of shoes. It's like, what good is having, you know, 500 pairs of shoes if you only dance in like your two favorite pairs of shoes? <laughs> that was the issue for a lot of dancers back then. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm more of a fan when people dance more so to the music than throw flashy moves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the uh, the scene today is more so like hype based mm-hmm. rather than like music based, right? You know, and I'm not trying to bag on that or anything like that. Uh, I think it's great because mm-hmm. it keeps the energy. It brings energy to the whole to the whole place, to the mm-hmm. whole venue. But the issue is that now the music is lost, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, there has to be like a fine balance. Right. Uh, I remember, gosh, dude, this is like back in the early two thousands in breaking, you know, B boys back then didn't really dance on dance to the beat. Mm -hmm. You know, they're fucking terrible. Right. Yeah. They didn't, there's only like a select few that actually like paid attention to the music and danced on beat. Mm -hmm. Other than that, it was like shitty, like, shitty jerks and like drops and you know let's fall out of the move because and get props for because we tried it yeah but the way for dance for b-boys to get on beat is they would like yell out uh you know they would yell out uh just Mm -hmm. to like make sure that the dancers were still stepping on beat the Mm -hmm. b-boys were still stepping on beat and that for me just took took the music away like it, it really blocked it out and mm-hmm. i was never really a fan of it i mean i participated in it just mm-hmm. to get the crowd amped but i was never really a fan of it mm-hmm. you know and, and so to kind of go back it's it's like and i'm more of a fan when somebody like really digs deep into the music and that's yeah. pretty much what i'm always about right especially lately like if you're with me at session you'll probably see me just like getting into my own zone i'm not mm-hmm. trying to fucking impress anyone mm-hmm session or anything like that whenever we do have like those ciphers i try to just i try to cater to it Mm -hmm. and or to the exchanges and kind of keep it within the box there Mm -hmm. but every now and then i'll just go on my own little tangent but just trying to like figure out a song like i'll literally i'm sure you've seen me do where i'll stop and like try and figure out this song real quick yeah and then once I think I have it, mm-hmm. then I'll fucking attack it. Yeah, and and see what I can where I can go with it. Right. You know, it's basically um, catching the ghost, mm-hmm. right? And you know, I think that's what I'm more of a fan of, and I love mm-hmm. seeing when dancers do that shit. Right. And I'm like, oh shit, you know, like they're really trying to attack this song, mm-hmm. you know, or, or as opposed to this move. Now, if you're a beginner in house dancing, mm-hmm. sure, yeah, you probably want to drill the move a few times. Right. Um. But drilling a move now is like a warm up for me. Yeah. Like at sessions, what I've been doing lately too is I always want to make sure I'm trying to make it a routine for every session Mm -hmm. is I want to make sure that in the beginning I warm up literally five to 10 minutes Mm -hmm. where I'm just drilling, constantly drilling a Mm -hmm. basic move or like a num or like five basic moves, drilling it, drilling it, drilling it, drilling it. Right. And the the time where I stop is when I'm already breaking a sweat. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm warmed up. Yep. My legs hurt. I'm warmed up. I need to stretch out. Right. And then I'll start going into, okay, do I want to work on music? Mm -hmm. Which is 90% of the time. That's what happens. Yeah. Because I'm like, 
fuck, dude, I know how to do all these moves already. Like, what's the point of trying to be sharp with it if it won't, if being sharp won't really necessarily correlate to or translate into the music? Yeah. Or do I want to drill this one move that's been stuck in my head? So, again, 90% of the time, I'll dance to the music more mm-hmm. than anything. And I'll just listen to shit that I've never heard of. Like, I'll throw in a mix that I've never, like, uh, Friday. Yeah. I haven't heard Ty's mix in over a year. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember shit on there. Mm-hmm. Your mix, I haven't even listened to the full thing. Mm-hmm. Your latest one. So I, I threw yeah. that on there. And, you know, I love doing that because it's a test. Yeah. Like, do am I really musical? Am I really good at anticipating you know, can I really get down to shit? Right. You know, and once I get once I get that, I'm like, all right, this is good practice. Yeah. If I can't read, I'm like, fucking hey, what's wrong? Right. What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, it's you know, there's there's a thing that I also try to keep in mind too, which harkens back to skateboarding, which was some people will misinterpret somebody as being like really dope because they've mastered this one park they know like every single inch of this park and now you take that person who's you know that they they just they just run that shit and you bring them to the other side of the city and say here you're gonna skate this place now and they're completely almost a beginner again they that that really shows like their their skill and their ability um because now you're 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 confident because everything like you've committed everything to like muscle memory you know like what you're going to hit when you're going to hit how uh you notice that this one you know ramp has a little bit of like a wobble over here or oh that part right there is uneven so i don't skate that or i jump that or whatever and then you move to a different place and you go oh man the banks are like like just like straight up there's like not even like a a curvature here so when you you know if you're like trying to like go up a, a wall you know, it's almost instantly like your your vertical. So, I I try to keep that in mind, also with like mixes or certain songs, where if I if I hear a song that I really know, then you know I'll be able to say, oh yeah, this will be not necessarily easy, but I know how to like play with this song because I know it so well. But then also I like having that unpredictability of hearing something that I've never or dance to something that I've never heard before, or maybe I'm not used to that song because then it's going to challenge you to get out, out of your comfort zone. It's going to teach you to be more spontaneous, to listen as opposed to like you were saying, like, like you don't want to just blindly attack, you know, you want to hear what you're, you know, you want to listen for patterns and you want to like feel what the song is doing and then say, Oh yeah, this is not the song where I'm going to fucking do this like crazy, you know, Jack maneuver while I'm, on the dance floor because it's not it doesn't have that attack to it so you see that sometimes with people when especially beginners when they um like they go off right away they go off right away and like that's it's like a big thing that i get kind of frustrated with when i watch um people that are able to market themselves via social media where they get a lot of hype and then somebody will step to me and be like hey styles check out this locker and I watch them, and I'm like, okay. And the person's like, are you fucking kidding? They're like the hottest thing right now. And I'm like, they're they're doing way too many throwbacks and a lot of James Brown shuffles, but I haven't seen like anything else in locking. I haven't even seen them lock. 
Like, I, I see them do all these throwbacks. I see them do wrist twirls, and I see them do James Brown shit. But I don't see them point. I don't see them do strongmans. I don't see them sit into the lock. I'm, I'm not seeing them doing the other elements of this dance. And, you know, or you got the person that, that's, like, really super concerned about being progressive, but at the expense of the the rhythm and the and the beat so now they're doing you know some fucking crazy thing where they flip their hat behind their body they catch it under their legs and everything else but they're already off by like three and a half counts and and then everybody goes ooh you know because they 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 hit this one move and i go but they didn't accentuate it at like the right point they didn't like say their sentence and then finally hit it with an exclamation point they were like where the comma was in the sentence that's where they put the exclamation point Mm -hmm. So everything was very choppy. And you see that with certain types of uh, people that do, like, for instance, um, in music, too, where when you first are learning something, like uh, like punk rock is a good example. Um, punk rock, much like the blues, is only a couple of chords. Like, essentially, it's very simple, stripped-down, rockabilly, you know, style music. And people will like play those chords really super intense and then they think that they they've mastered music because they they kind of got like a a vibe going and stuff but then as they evolve as a musician they kind of say okay well now that i have that um i've got that raw energy what can i do to add more articulation to what i'm doing but still stay on beat because you don't also don't want to like turn it into like this big composition you don't want to make it from like you know uh, like a like a power chord Ramon song to this like elaborate Guns N' Roses where there's like symphonic arrangements and you know flutes and all this other like crazy shit. You want to find kind of like that happy medium. So yeah, it's it's important to really keep that stuff into perspective and really know like why you're doing what you're doing and what you want to say. And some people go like, hey, you know what I. I drill too much, so I want to feel music. So this is my objective in, in my session right now is to feel music and, you know, vibe more. And then other times it's like I vibe all the time, but I lack any discipline in my technique. You know, my my uh, my footwork is never um, like it's it's good in like a in like a shot, but I could not do this like for repetitive counts. And of course, then it's like my ankles get tired. So that's why I don't continue to do the move because I'm, I don't have any stamina. So it's like when, when you find that weak point, it's like you have to go and explore that and say, all right, I need to do more, you know, uh, physical conditioning, or I need to just, even if you're just playing a basic song and you just start stepping on beat, kind of a, like a, almost like a DDR type of like drill, you start stepping and you are like, okay, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three. And you, and you just kind of run through that. You get to a place where it's like you go, wow, I, I used to just rush through songs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's honestly simple. If you, if you watch my – so my thought, my process when going into a round is I literally start off slow. Right. And if, like, if you've danced with me before, like, you'll notice that, like – even if the beat's kicking super hard, mm-hmm. I'll start off very slow. Right. Because that's my time to read the music. Mm-hmm. Read the song if I haven't already. And then from there, it's like, okay, now I'm going to nitpick. Right. All right. Uh, I like this. I like that. Okay, let me do this. Let me do that. 
I'm not really even thinking about the move anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm more so just thinking about the music. Okay. And what comes naturally, which is like a general heel step or heel toe. Mm -hmm. And then pot of berets, sidewalk, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then I'll start accenting from there. Like, okay, well, this sounds good too. This sounds good. Let me play with this. Mm -hmm. Let me play with that and call it a day. Yeah. Where I think a lot of beginners, uh, a lot of people that don't practice a lot Mm -hmm. per se, or they just fucking gun it super. Let's, let's do a train. Let's do a, let's do a scribble step or a scribble foot right off the bat. Let's Mm -hmm. fucking go for it. Right. I'm like, all right. Yeah. And (laughs) you know, the way that I equate like your dance style, this is just my personal observation. So, uh, take it with a grain of salt if I'm full of shit. Um, but when when I see you dance, I think of like it, it, it's kind of indicative of like your personality. You're like boiling water, you know, because you your your temperament. You're not a guy that goes from like cold to hot in an instant. You don't have like an explosive temper. You don't throw words out carelessly. You don't just like react to every little situation everything's very methodical so it's like okay i'm hearing this song so you're starting to like turn up the the heat a little bit until eventually there's like a few bubbles that are forming at the bottom of the pan and then eventually you get like this like this boil and then from there you go okay do i want to let this simmer or do i want to make this like a like a like a volcano and then um and i especially see that when when motherfuckers will start like pressing on you because they'll come out and they might try to like push some sort of like advantage at you. And they think that because of your temperament, they, they only see that surface. They think that just because the, the water still looks still that it's not hot and they decide to like submerge their hand in there. And then I'm like, Nope, you didn't want to do that to Ozzy. Cause then like you'll come back at them. And at this point now it, all it took was like a, d- a degree or two. And now it's like a violent boil. And, they go, God damn, why did Ozzy come at me so hard like that? And I was just like, you were on his bumper the whole fucking time. Well, I didn't get it because, you know, I thought you know, we were just like... I was like, no, you thought you could just, like, steal on him. You thought that you could just roll over because he's such a, a calm, chill-looking dude. I'm like, you don't realize that there's a lot beneath the surface that just wasn't manifesting yet, but it was there. I like the element of surprise a lot. Yeah. I'm a big fan of it. I like I like to make you think that you know. I mean, it's chess, right? Yep. It's a chess game. Right. So I like to make you think that you know what the fuck I'm about to do. Right. And then, bam, just like get you with a, le- with a right or a left hook right, right on the bat. But yeah. the left hook won't be on your jaw. It'll be into your, to your kidneys. Right. Where my, that left hook is going. <laughs> exactly. To your fucking kidneys, not yep. to your face. Yeah. So really mess you up in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good observation. Yeah. yeah. I think it would be like that, too. You know? I. One person that's really been impressing me a lot, and I wish she would just come to session more, mm-hmm. and I know she practices, mm-hmm. is Marin. Yeah. Man, Marin was killing it. Yeah. Like, each round that she did on Friday. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Was like, yeah, shout out to Marin. Was like, fucking quality. Yeah. And, yeah, they're still like, and look, man, no one's perfect. I'm not perfect. Um, but there's there's a sense of control, mm-hmm. right? Um there's just like you know slight edges that she mm-hmm. can like touch up on. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I was like, dude, she's progressed so far, right? From where from where I first saw her mm-hmm. when she first started getting in a house to where mm-hmm. she is now, I'm like, dude. And I think it's because she trains in popping as well. Yeah, I, I was that that's actually you read my mind right there. Yeah, she she trains in multiple different disciplines, mm-hmm. um, and when she brings all that 
into house, which is already a culmination of different disciplines, let alone, you know, yeah. from the beginning, it's just done house music. Right. Like it really complements it very well. Yeah. Um, but the, the cool thing is she doesn't, it's just like, we know that, right? We know that she trains these disciplines because she mm-hmm. shows it on social media and whatnot. Right. We're, we're knowledgeable to that effect. But the, the difference between her and other people that also train in disciplines and dance house is mm-hmm. that she blends it in so well. Yeah. Like you can tell she's like, you can't even tell if she's fucking popping. Right. You know, you can't even tell like, Oh, she's, she's doing this groundwork cause she saw it in like, you know, like breaking in threads and whatnot. Like right. That. Like it just goes. Yeah. It continuously goes. Right. And you know, that's, that's a one up on me cause yeah. my, cause I'm trying to figure out a way to transition rocking mm-hmm. into house, right. you know, but I still have like, you can see the distinctiveness right there mm-hmm. where she can just fucking flip it just like that. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to Marin. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and this kind of goes back to like what I was talking about with like, you know, I was using the punk rock allegory, right? Like you could learn a couple of power chords and then you've been in punk for like, 10, 15 years, and now you know how to really play your instrument and you understand chord progressions and um, different types of like levels and tones and, you know, semitones and things like that. And you can go into different ways of like branching off, like off range, but then coming back to the core of it. And I think that's also indicative of of, um, Marin's musical background Mm -hmm. as well. Yep. Because she is a a avid uh, musician. Musician, And that just changes your dance IQ up yeah. a thousandfold. <laughs> um, you see that sometimes even um, like uh, like another good example of that is like Koflo. Mm. Yep, um, you're in my mind on that one. When when you watch how Koflo will move, it, it's it's amazing to watch him, uh, especially in the simmer room, where he'll be behind the decks and let's say uh, let's say tsunami hasn't like gotten home from work yet, and there's like nobody in the dojo. He'll go out on the floor and he'll just do like a, a round as he's got like a really long uh, track playing. And you'll watch him and you can still tell when he's moving that he's mixing. Mm-hmm. Dude. You know, it's like it's, it's like he's not away from the decks. He's mm. like on the decks, but on the floor. No, dude. No. Okay. For you guys that are listening to this, go on YouTube, mm-hmm. type in Cold Flow House Dance Forever. Watch his judges battle, <laughs> dude. That yeah. shit was fucking crazy. <laughs> like, and literally pay attention to Koflo. Now respect respect to homeboy that he was battling. I, he's a he's an OG from Europe. I can't remember his mm-hmm. name right at the moment. Um, but dude, like, just watch Koflo dance in right. that battle. He is literally on beat the whole fucking time Mm -hmm. like i shit you not he's not missing a single part of the song right now i don't know if it's a song he produced Mm -hmm. but but like the fact that he is like he's basically a shan s Mm -hmm. um if you guys don't know the selby's the selby brothers the selby family honestly fucking look him up do your research Mm -hmm. but he's like doing what shan s did but to a higher scale in my personal opinion yeah where he is like not missing a single fucking beat of the Mm -hmm. song it is insane and he's not and his dance like his moves are aren't generic either like they're fucking they're not basic like Mm -hmm. he's 
he's going all all over the place. Like I was tripping balls with Ty when I was yeah. watching that, and it was every fucking round. Yeah, too, because there's three rounds. Right, it was every round. Like there was not a single beaten missed, and I and I was tripping balls with Ty when we were watching. I was like, dude fuck are these people thinking right like, what the fuck are these judges thinking now granted okay it's the judge's opinion you can, right you know you hide for your opinion whatever mm-hmm. uh not saying that you know all the judges were european mm-hmm. but um but dude like that shit was crazy like i had cold flow three and three there's three to zero on that one yeah i was like dude that was what the hell <laughs> well and and it's the same thing when you see tsunami dance too yeah like when <laughs> When you watch the way that she'll take, like, every possible element, if you know her other pedigrees, right? Like, you know that she's got a background in figure skating as well as uh, roller skating. And not just, like, like jam-style skating or uh, JB-style skating, but also, like, like couples, Mm -hmm. you know, figure skating on roller skates, like that stuff, too. Um, And then she brings all of these different things together and because she's an artist, like visual design artist and architect, you see that she can build things and you watch how she will build movements and uh, concepts. And you're just like, like sometimes I feel like even for as, as many years as I think that I have under my belt, I look back and I go, fuck man. I, I just, I feel like such a sucker Cause I'm like, I'm like, shit, I could be doing so much more like these guys. Like I, and it really is inspiring and it really like lights a, a fire under your ass to, no. to stay motivated and to, to really like think outside of the box. Because again, you know, once you get the basics down, that's the whole reason why you, you master the basics. So that way you can build off of them. And I'm watching them take like basic concepts and then put a, like a flare or an accent or a seasoning to something and going like, oh, like I didn't even think about that like that. Shit. <laughs> I think the main thing, dude, is just the fucking practice, right? Yeah. That's what people, that's what, you know, the average person doesn't get mm-hmm. is putting in the work. Right. It's practicing. You know, like everyone talks mad shit, this and that. They right. don't fucking practice. Yeah. And, and that's not just with dance. That's honestly with everything in life. Right. You know, in my case, that's with golf, with mm-hmm. with dance, with DJing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not scared to call it on myself. Yeah. Like, if I'm mixing, like, for example, playing a mix and, like, I mix shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, I already know. It. I'm going to call on myself. Like, fuck, I need to practice. Yeah. You know? Like, I'm not going to fucking bullshit right. people and be like, well, that was just a mistake. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Because I didn't fucking practice. Uh-huh. You know, if you want to sharpen up on something, practice. Mm-hmm. Put the work in. It's it's not that hard. It's not rocket science. It's yeah. not economics. <laughs> it's it's like you remember that um you remember the in the opening of Beat Street when uh when Lee and Ramo and them were all like chilling in uh uh in Lee's older brother's room and he was like Ramo was like uh, hitting up his um uh, his black book and he was doing a, a style and he's like, "Yo man, when you going to teach me that style?" And he's like, practice up on it. It was like, it was such a, it was such a throwaway line for a lot of people that weren't really thinking about it. And, you know, and of course Lee was like, I like you, man. (laughs) You know, he like, it was kind of that thing of that, that dynamic between like the youth where they think that you're just like dope right out the box. Like you're the finished product just because your style and your attitude and shit, as opposed to that person who's been in it for a long time that says, yo, I used to think that I knew it all 
And then I started like rolling with people that showed me that I didn't know shit. So I started back at the beginning and then now I've exceeded anything that I possibly could have ever done on my own because of like, you know, people, the certain people around me, certain worth that work ethics, uh, discipline environments. We, we need these things to grow. And sometimes people are very comfortable with, um, and this is a danger that you find in a lot of different aspects of people who are self-taught because like in, in dance, we, especially street dance, we have this advantage of where you kind of can just make shit up and it might aesthetically be pleasing to the eye. And then someone says, Hey man, you should judge, or you should be teaching a workshop or you should be doing this, or you should be doing that. And if you're actualized within yourself, you can kind of know you're like, you know what? That thing that you thought that was so fucking impressive. I don't even know how I did it. It was just luck. So now I have to go back and like re-examine that and learn it and perfect it until now I could teach it or I can articulate it. Um, but sometimes people will believe in their own legend and go, yeah, I'm a teach. And then they go out to a workshop and they have no idea how to speak to the class. They have no They're idea yelling how yelling at the class, you know, like, <laughs> like, yo, no, you need to feel the groove. You need to feel the groove. And the person goes, what, what, I don't even understand what you mean. You know, what, what do you mean? Feel the groove. <laughs> See, that's a problem with you kids. You don't fucking understand the shit. This is the real shit. This is the B boy shit, you know, and they start fucking, and then, and then they just show off moves. They say, here, you're paying me $20 a head to watch me do a dance. You know, I mean, and there's certain, I'm not going to name names because, you know, they know who they are too, but there's like certain people that will insist on like, you take my workshop, this is going to teach you everything that you need to be dope. And then they don't even give you the ABCs of something. They just kind of say like, look, here's the, the sentences that I strung together with through my own experience and you go, how do you do that? And then, man, well, if you got to ask, then you, you don't fucking know. You need to go back to the basics. You're like, you're goddamn right. I need to go back to the basics because what you're teaching me is nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're pontificating just that's that's the, that's the promoter's fault too. Yeah, you it know? is. Like they don't fucking like when people when promoters hire like people to teach workshops, they don't label it like okay, is this a beginners, intermediate, master class, or right. whatever you know. And then that's also the instructor's fault where yep. it's like they don't ask, they don't communicate with the promoter, say, hey, what do you want me to teach? Yeah, because. I can I can go at any level you want. Uh-huh. And then can you even fucking do that as a teacher? You got to be real with yourself like, okay, yeah. as an instructor, can I can I lower or can I higher the level? Yeah. Uh, like depending on the class. Right. You know, and not a lot of people know how to fucking do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why people aren't I don't know, they they just don't think about shit like that. Yeah. And it's it, it it's tricky because there's a difference like one thing that i i've constantly struggled with in just in my in my life but also as a dancer is battling between um earning what you think you deserve versus um being um humble and kind of knowing your lane and there's times where we can sell ourselves short because we're trying to be humble so much so that it's actually to our own undoing. It's our, our own detriment, right? Like, like there's nobody else that can do this except for you, but you're like, Oh man, I don't know. I don't think I'm ready. You're like, you're the only person that can, you know, bench 300 pounds, right? You're like, Oh, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe, you know, anything can happen and stuff. It's like, no, you actually practice this. So you're more than qualified to be able to put up that kind of weight. And then, um, and then you have other people 
who are clearly delusional. They're like, I can do it, you know. And then, of course, what they do is they 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 put themselves into uh, they paint themselves into a corner, and then they the bar falls on their fucking neck, yeah. and they go, well, yeah. I mean, if I trained for like three months, it's like, yeah. but you told everybody, you told the class, you told the person that flew you out, I'm totally capable and qualified to do this, and now you look like an asshole and you've done a disservice to all these people. So I, I get that, that it's like, it's a really, uh, it, it's a, it's a tightrope that we have to walk. And there's times where we do have to be bold and we mm-hmm. do have to be assertive. And there's other times where we have to stop and go like, okay, well, you know, I, I think of it like being like double jointed naturally versus being like a, a yoga contortionist person. Right. There's a difference between like the natural talent and ability versus a discipline where this person says, I couldn't even, you know, touch my toes, you know, standing up like with my feet together. I could not bend over and touch my toes. And now I can take my foot and bring it like above my head and behind my, (laughs) behind my head. Right. And somebody else kind of like looks at you. And this is, again, this shows like how people's attitudes and mentality are. They go like, Oh, I can never do that. It's like, because you don't practice it. Yeah, of course you, you can practice. never do it. Yeah. So, you know, again, Achilles, you know, that's why you never will. Well, it's, you it's, know? uh, it's honestly, a, and you know, not to try and get, I don't want to get too deep, honestly, on this one, but, um, it's, um, uh, it's all, it's all in what you say, right? When yeah. you speak out, like eventually like manifest. Mm-hmm. So the more you say, like, that's why I try to, and we're all human. I mm-hmm. try to refrain from saying this. I say it myself from time to time when Ty will be like, why don't you do, why don't you do those toe touches that, that you used to do? I'm like, and every now and then I'll be like, well, I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying shit, I need to practice on that if I want to get it. Yeah. That's honestly what the switch up is. Right. It's how you say it and mm-hmm. how you bring it out to the environment, the universe, I guess. Yeah. Is saying, you know, rather than saying, oh, I can't do that anymore. Saying, oh, I need to practice on that if I want. It. Yeah. You know? And and also, or just being honest and saying, I don't really care about it. Right. <laughs> and, and sometimes too, there, there's even like a place where there's like a time and a place where it's like, you can, you can be like blunt about it yeah. because you're trying to make a point to that person. That's, you know, trying to goad you out or, or get you to say or do something. And you're just kind of like, okay, I'm telling you right now to shut the fuck up versus where you can just like graciously sidestep it. Cause you're like, Oh, you know, it's not really a, a thing. I mean, I, I had that happen uh, with somebody when they were kind of like, "Well, why aren't you more? Um, why aren't you more vocal about X, Y, and Z within dance?" And, and I said, "Well, because I have other priorities in my life. Like, I, I love dance. I'm always going to love dance. But also, you know, who the fuck am I to give my opinion or my hot take to this person who didn't ask me? It's unsolicited." So why am I going to take time out of my day when they didn't take time to talk to me? Why am I going to walk to to them and go, you know what the problem is with this, with the way that you did that movement? Here, let me give you some advice. And then the person just looks at me and just goes, "Mm mm-hmm. And in their mind, they're like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's like, I I already know that from my jump. Mm -hmm. But then there's other people that go, oh, you should really try to do this. Or, you know, know, and the same same kind of thing, you know, goes, uh, I was kind of like... (laughs) It just brings you back to that conversation that I had with Bradley, Mm -hmm. right? Where I was like trying to explain to him, you know, that I don't really care about deciding who a winner or a loser is of the, you know, the event that we watched. 
And he was just like, no, but you got, there's got to be a winner. You, you know. And then finally he's like, I don't agree with your opinion. And I'm like, well, then why do you even fucking ask me to begin with? It's like, if, if you already had your mind made up, who do you think won? You know, like, tell me what you think. Mm. But I was just like, I, I just, I preferred not to choose because I was just in the moment of watching the dance mm-hmm. and I was watching the exchange and I was entertained by that. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was kind of more like, it was more like just like looking at a cipher and rather than saying like, who do you think like won? It was like, didn't you like the, the current and the flow that was happening? Everyone was just like keeping the ball in play. Yeah. You know, the guys like, you know, friends like Bradley, you just got to be fucking straight shooter with the guy. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Like fuck the explaining thing. Like if Bradley was to ask me the whole thing, I'd be like, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know, man. I don't care. Yeah. And, he's just, and of course, Bradley, being Bradley, be like, why don't you care? Why don't you know? Because mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah. He's like, and like, I think with <laughs> me, he's like, okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I, I think part of it too is because I try to, I see myself in so many people that I try to be like very, um, it, sometimes I try to be very polite or other times I try to be like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, this is like seven-year-old me talking to 30-year-old me, you know, asking me this question. So I have to like kind of, yeah. you know, figure out how do, how do I how do I talk to this person and get them to understand. And then there's like other times where, you know, a person will <laughs> just, they'll be like, uh, they'll be like uh, Walter from uh, The Big Lebowski. Like, shut the fuck up, Donnie. You know, they just, <laughs> they just, they just want to shut the shit down because they don't even want to like, take the time and the bandwidth to try to explain. Right. But, you know, and then, and I get it too, because I've been on, I'm a, I've been on the firing end of that where I would like legitimately be asking a question and then someone would just be super like, just, they just gave me both barrels and I'm like, you know, what did I do to deserve, deserve that? You know? And, and then it's, it's funny because then a person would do that and then they would think that once they did that one time that they can indefinitely do that to me. And then I let him know quick, fast, and in a hurry. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a good dancer, but you are not a good fighter. So don't think that, you know, that just because of this one little aspect of breaky dancing, mm-hmm. that you're going to be able to fucking school me on, like, some physicality shit, and you're going to get up in my face and be like, yo, bro, you better shut up or there was going to beat your ass. I'm like, I would love to see you try. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Please give me an excuse. I really and I, I legitimately want to see like what what skills you think you have mm-hmm. in you know these other games of life. So so I get that, but it's like at the same time I also try to like I try to be gracious when I when I talk with people, but then simultaneously I do want to be honest and sincere too. So I don't want to just sit there and go like oh you know everyone's right in their own way and kumbaya. And maybe if I did see that there was like a definite winner in the situation i'll be like oh yeah i think that so-and-so took it but that's that wasn't what i was looking for in that particular avenue i was just so i felt like honestly going to chicago after such a long hiatus of like no competition no events nothing you're just there to enjoy i i had so much fun just like just drinking in the the environment Mm -hmm. you know i mean i was like I'm sitting here and I'm having exchanges. I mean, the winner of the competition. I was there vibing with Trey, and also um, with uh, with Bran. And these are dancers that I respect a lot. And just to be able to even be like, um, you can kind of tell when someone 
really feels like you're not worth their time because they'll just leave the cipher. Mm-hmm. Like you start, you know, dancing and they kind of just go, okay, I've, I've seen enough. And they kind of walk away. But I felt really blessed that I was able to, you know, to Jogo. Like I was able to like play the game mm-hmm. with everybody. And that was the funnest and the most like satisfying aspect for me. And people were like, oh yeah, but you didn't even make it past uh, the, um, the, the cipher elimination. I was like, I don't really care. I was I was yeah. just so like I was I was so caught into the vibe, but then you know it was also funny because then when uh, uh, when Barbaric came up to me and he goes bro, and I thought he was gonna like because like normally when Barbaric doesn't hardly say two words mm-hmm. to anybody mm-hmm. he's a very uh, very introverted uh, type of guy but he like stepped to me and it was just like he's like man he's like he's like that was you and Brand's cipher he was like it, I had to choose I had to choose one. And he goes, fuck. He goes, because yeah, of my fucking cipher. Yeah, and and I was just like, because yeah, then everybody else was in the goddamn, yeah. you know, the the rogues gallery. My cipher had like fucking like everybody that made it four people, five people in there. And right. It was a top eight or top sixteen, I think. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, guys, we all made it. Yeah, and <laughs> so like, so for me, um, I I always try to keep everything in perspective when it comes down to like the little, the the little coups, right? Because you, if you go and you do um, the big, uh, like the, the the big jumps, and maybe you go to a, a battle or an event where you don't have any um, any competition, like that's that's on like a really high level, you could make it to the finals and you could win the thing and you get this inflated sense of self. But it was only because you were the only person that kind of had a little bit of expertise in the whole. Uh, scheme of everything and i always feel like that's a very dangerous place to be because it can give you a unrealistic or a diluted sense of your accomplishments you're like hey i won this event so i'm a badass dancer now or i'm dope or whatever and then people were just like no it was just that nobody else that was real competition showed up to that event they were all busy at this other event over in florida or whatever so now it's like you're kind of the king of this really small hill. And then the next time around you go in and you think that you're a heavy hitter and you don't practice and you don't take yourself seriously and you don't really like work at your craft. So then now you're in with all of the elite and you just, you get, you get smashed like right off the bat. You had no fucking idea what you were getting yourself into because you had this inflated sense of who you were. So I try not to get too, caught up or diluted in those accomplishments. And then simultaneously, um, I also try to like take what I can get. So if I, if I make it really far and they were good dancers, then that kind of says something about me. Even if I don't win something, I'm like, yo, I made it to semis. I was like that, that was, that was incredible because there were so many good dancers here. I feel very lucky but also I, my hard work must have paid off if I made it this far. Like, I don't think that anybody just gives me a pass. In fact, that's kind of my, my MO in, in my life is that no one has ever given me a pass. Everything that I've ever had to like get, I've had to earn. And, um, and some people are just lucky, you know, they, they're, they're attractive or they're tall or they're, you know, born into money or whatever. So they, they kind of get like a, they, they get like a, a certain push forward and my starting blocks were always grossly behind. And, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, so it's like, 
so again, you know, like when I go to competitions and um, I, I know that it sounds like a cliche, but it's kind of like what people say when they like with, with like the Oscars where they go like, I'm just glad I got nominated. Right. Like they, they were like, I'm just so glad that my work seemed to have been like it resonated enough to where people even like put me into the ballot to vote. You know, I didn't expect I was going to win. And um, and then there's other people who are like, they're grossly upset because they got nominated eight times, but they only got like seven out of the eight wins. And they're like, oh, I wanted to win all eight of them. You know, I don't think that, you know, that person should have gotten the best actor or whatever. That was, that's bullshit. That was fixed. You know, so I, I try to keep everything very balanced and realistic in that, you know, we go to these competitions too as kind of a, um, it's a, it's a measuring stick to see where your progress is like, you know, did, did my hard work pay off or have I just been, you know, kind of, you know, phoning it in. And then I went out here and I realized like, I didn't even make it past prelims and everyone was expecting me to make it to the finals. So yeah, I, I need to put more work in. I need to take this more seriously. And then, um, and then afterwards you go back home and you, you lab and you work on things, you reprioritize and then you go from there. Or some people will get discouraged and be like, you know what? Fuck all you guys. You don't understand me. And, you know, and they get defensive and, and you're like, you're the dude that signed up, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody, it, it wasn't like yeah, someone, like yeah. someone didn't come up and like throw a net over you and pull you to the competition mm -hmm. and capture you and say, you have to do this. You know, you're not a gladiator where it's like you do this or die. Right. It, it's like you signed up for this, you volunteered. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to put yourself in front of the mirror like that, and it's a well-polished mirror, you better be ready for all the blemishes as well as the truths. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, you know, I did this right. I did that right. I did. I could have done that better. Oh, I realized I don't have any stamina. Oh, I, I was, that song I've never danced to before. So I was lost in that part. Or I got emotionally compromised because the person that I was battling against was maybe somebody that I really respect or I feared. Or I was really angry at that person. Like I've got like personal beef with them. And that might have taken me out of the, the the competition because I was just so mad that I just started throwing bullshit at them because I was just frustrated. Like you were saying about like, you know, uh, like punching, right? Like you're going like, I'm, I'm going to use that overhand uh, or that left hook. And of course they're expecting it to the face. So if you change it up, then, you know, you're doing something that's like unanticipated and it's still powerful. And sometimes people will do things that are very predictable and, you know, they battle like, um, somebody that's a rival or a mentor or whatever, and they just keep doing the same shit. And their mentor knows this. And they go, oh, yeah, I know what you're going to do. you know. But if you kind of just put all that on the back burner and give it your sincere all and best, then even if you lose, you might still have like won something in, in that pursuit because that person goes, damn, man, you really had me up against the ropes. And you're like, really? I, I, thought, I thought you took it like all the way. And it's just like, no, nah, no. Nah. Like, I had to... I did dig into like my bag of tricks to get a couple of extra things because you were, you've been coming up. You're getting really good. You know, keep at it, please. Mm -hmm. You know, versus, you know, being like, Oh, you should quit now. Cause I feel threatened, <laughs> you know? Cause that's like, that's another thing that I think that like some people, as they get older, there's a fork in the road where people are like, Hey, I want the youth to become successful. And other people are like, well, Hey, now that I've gotten over everybody, I want to maintain my spot. And I want to continue to be this, this thing that just like this, the ceiling that kind of, you know, covers over all these other people. So no matter how good they get, no matter how many, 
things they win, there's still always going to be that little snot-nosed kid from the sessions back in the day. You know, it, it was like, uh, like in Goodfellas, right? Like, you know, go get your fucking shine box, right? Like you, <laughs> you, you get to a point where you live in this vacuum in your own mind and you don't allow anybody else to, to grow and you don't recognize them. And I feel like that's an important thing that helps us to grow with our scene and still remain respected and, um, and have like a good rapport with everybody is that you see how people come up and you say, man, you, you know, you've, you've really improved. I remember when you didn't know your left from your right and now you're like, you're, you're doing phenomenally, like, please keep it up. And the person's like, wow, that really means a lot to me hearing it from you because I was always trying to like get your respect or I was felt like you didn't really take me seriously or whatever. Now you see me as like, you know, eye to eye and shit. And I, I like that. So, um, so I think that those things are very important because you don't, you don't want to discourage and, uh, uh, keep the youth under your thumb. That's not a healthy thing. And that's the reason why a lot of scenes atrophy and die because you have too many gatekeepers that think that like, well, you know, I, I didn't quite make it the way that I wanted to. So fuck everybody else. I'm going to burn all the ships. No one's going to cross the river now. Yeah. You know, as opposed to saying like, okay, well, I got halfway across the river and I sort of built a bridge. So this is like the dock that you can use to launch to get further. And then you're like really stoked about that. And then they say, you know what? Hey, we didn't forget you. So we're not going to leave you behind here. Come with us. And you're like, wow, that, that really means a lot to me. I, I can't dance the way that I used to, but it was really nice to be able to come out and like travel with you guys or be asked to judge or to do the music for the event or the after party or whatever, even though I can't soldier the way that I used to. Mm-hmm. So we just have to find these ways to evolve. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time people, they, and this, this is like a big problem with like the identity crisis of a dancer is that you can't think beyond being a soldier you can never think about being a general or a commander or a lieutenant or you're never thinking about like moving up in rank. So once you can't do the job anymore, you're just like, oh, I'm done. And now it's like, oh, I wasted my whole fucking life. I'm like 53 years old. And I got nothing going for me because all I ever focused on was, you know, breaking or whatever. And then there's like other people that th- thought outside the box and they said, okay, well, I use breaking as like a launch pad, but now I want to make you know, movies, or I want to make music, or I want to coordinate events, or I want to do a TED talk where I talk about how breaking kept me out of certain, you know, situations in life and, you know, gave me a, a point of focus and a, a place of ownership or whatever. So, you know, we, we use all these things to take us to different levels. I mean, like what we're doing right now with a podcast, mm-hmm. um, you know, most of the time this would have just been us sitting on like a stoop you know, just shooting the shit. And we were like, why don't we start recording these conversations? You know, maybe people can get some value out of this. Maybe it can also help us to get things off of our chest or we have things in our mind that we want to kind of work out. And also we want to pressure test them because maybe I have a thought or an idea or a viewpoint. And then you're that, you know, you're that, uh, that mirror that I can like, you know, put it out in front of. And then you're like, no, but I disagree. And then I see your point and I go, okay, you know, I, I, I get, you know, that maybe I didn't fully think this through or that maybe that's just more fuel and incentive for me to like go back to the drawing board and say, all right, well, I'm going to keep doing this until I get it right. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think that these things are important and we learn a lot of this shit from dance that, um, sometimes people get stuck too much in just the, 
the like the the minuscule part of it. I think um, you brought something up, which I always have always found like fascinating or funny, is uh, trying to earn the respect of mm-hmm. people. Um, I think people get caught up so much in that, and yeah. I was one of them too, mm-hmm. where they're more so worried about earning the respect of you know people they look up to or then inspire them or their mm-hmm. peers rather than earning the respect for themselves yeah earning their respect from themselves right. like right which is basically taking care of themselves mm-hmm. and being confident in themselves and what they do and and knowing that no matter what the situation is whether you enter a competition as long as you felt like you did right yeah nobody can take that away from exactly. you exactly um, that's one thing where that's where a lot of my mindset has been for like the past few years is like, mm-hmm. I stopped giving a fuck, dude. Right. Like that's why on the, on some of the past episodes where I'm like, I just don't care mm-hmm. anymore. I genuinely don't. Right. Cause when I did, it was all about earning the respect of, Oh, I gotta, I have to do this. I have to go there to, to get it so I can earn the respect of Jardy or mm-hmm. Khalif or anything like that. No, I don't give a fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it doesn't matter to me anymore. Right. It never. It, it shouldn't have in the beginning. Right. But, and it, it honestly really doesn't anymore. What matters to me now is do I respect them? Yeah. Now, I think people, I think just like by human psychology, when when you offer your respect to someone else, mm-hmm. that should be good enough to, to, to cement a relationship or to cement, to, to spark one and cement one. Right. Right. Because it's like, Hey man, I'm going to treat you with respect because that's just how I feel. But I don't give a fuck if you respect me or not. Right. Just as I, as I am as a human being, like I'm going to show respect to you. Mm-hmm. I'll show respect to my enemies. Right. You know, and whether that respect means not talking to them at all mm-hmm. or just like, you know, kind of letting them do their thing and mm-hmm. let them fucking burn their house down. Right. Like, go for it. Yep. And again, I think people just get so caught up in it. They get so caught up in the hype. Mm-hmm. You know, they try to get on this, get on that, where it's like, are you trying to, are you doing this to, to try and get some clout? Mm-hmm. Or are you generally doing this because you're proud of yourself? Right. You know, uh, but. Yeah, it's just funny how you brought that up. Yeah. I'm like, man. Well, in in case in point, right? Like why we have the, the relationships that we do with certain people that other people are kind of baffled by. They go, wait, so like you guys just decided to like leave the jam and go to the grocery store with Jardy. And we're like, yeah. And they're like. What, what was it like? You know, like they're 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 waiting for some fucking like, it was like fucking normal. That's yeah, what it, was. it was normal <laughs> because he's a friend. He he's a he's a homie. You know, and yeah. um and I think that that's like what Jardy and people like him appreciate is when you you acknowledge their accolades, you acknowledge you know what they can do, but then you also want to learn about who they are as people mm-hmm. because um you know we get that time and time again where like you go to a, a place where somebody knows you by reputation of dance alone and they have no idea about your sense of humor about what makes you tick what you think about and you just go out with those people mm-hmm. and they go oh wow man i didn't i didn't even like you know like i and it's not it's not necessarily like they hold you in such high esteem that now their view of you is like dashed or dropped down it's it's quite the opposite they go Oh, I only thought of you as this dancer, this person who could just do this thing. You have this skill, but I see that 
you navigate through life with um, this uh, the, the certain sense of like again like self respect and the way that you are with people, the way that you navigate, how you move in life. Um, this is a big thing that we we talk about all the time about like you know you go out to places like L.A. and L.A. you'll notice that even though there's like the Hollywood side and everything's very superficial. Like when you're down, like in like the hood, you'll see that it's all about how you move where motherfuckers will just watch you and just see how you operate. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go, Oh yeah, this guy's a Mark. Let's, let's fucking take him, you know? Or they're like, no nah, man, he's, he's cool. You know, leave him alone. And they, they see how you navigate and they go, all right, the way that you act you know, on land is just as important as how you're going to be out at sea. Um, so you might be like, you know, the best surfer in the world, but then, you know, you come back and you're having a burger with these guys and you start, you know, talking mad shit about X, Y, and Z and they're all just quiet and they're just waiting. And then eventually they go, all right, pull the pin on this clown, you know, and or it's like, Oh, we're not going to bring him out to any more spots or we're not going to fucks with this dude. Um, and I think that like, you know, when you meet people, that you genuinely understand, like you really have like a good rapport with them. Um, they, they also don't feel like they have to like put on any kind of like a show or a performance or a front to, you know, have respect with you. I mean, and, they're, they're authentic. Yeah. yeah. They're not like trying to act like, right. I got to fucking, you know, go a hundred miles per hour. Right. And shit like that. They're just like, look, man, I'm just really chill today. Yeah. You know, and or like, you know, if you're excited, if you're hopped up on like fucking C4 energy drink here, mm-hmm. you can. And if you're feeling the vibe, then you show some a little more expression. Right. You know, it's just being genuine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's missing a lot today. And I try to I try to separate myself from those from that type of crowd. Right. Where they're just like not so genuine with their shit, man. Right. They're just trying to like and I get it. Like, I, I look, I respect the hustle. Mm-hmm. But. Dude, that hustle will only take you so far until you right. get wrapped, until you get put into a corner where mentally you can no longer take it because now you put your set you set yourself as a specific character in these people's eyes, right? And you're fucked now, right? You know that's the um, that's that that whole like metaphor about like the uh, the tortured comedian, right? The person that's up on stage and they're making everybody laugh, but as soon as the lights are off as soon as they're back in their hotel they're just kind of just sitting there morose mm-hmm. because like until they're in that element they don't have anything else you know to them you know like Jim Carrey was a good example of that of like a guy who was always on like even on like very basic interviews where he's just supposed to talk about you know for three minutes about the movie that he's promoting and he's got to go and just do this whole thing where he's just swinging for the fences and everyone's like oh my god you're so funny you're so funny and stuff and then after a while it's like you lose really like who you are mm-hmm. and you don't stop and say, yeah, you know, I, I do the the funny stuff and, you know, and I, I really swing for the fences when the camera's on, but I also, I read a lot. I, I think a lot about stuff. I meditate. I, you know, I'm an avid, you know, runner. I do all these, there's other, other aspects of me and people go, oh, wow, that's, that's dope. I, I like that you show that you're, you know, multifaceted and not just, you know, the, the, the entertainment you're not just the court jester, right? And um, and I remember running into a lot of people in high school. You know, we were talking about like looking for respect, um, where you were trying to get the attention of the you know of the people with the varsity jackets and 
you know, the face people and, you know, the people who were like kind of quote unquote running the school until you realize that this is all just sort of like a matrix in and of itself. Mm. And you go, this isn't going to exist after senior year is done. These people are all going to go off into different directions. So why do I have to treat them as if like what they think of me is important and valid? It's, it's ultimately like what I think of me. Mm. And then when people see that in you, they kind of like they know that you you know that the the magic show isn't real, so they treat you a different type of way than that one person who goes, "Wow, really? You made your you, you know you you made the the ball disappear." You know, mm-hmm. I'm so impressed by that. Oh, what kind of witchcraft was that? And then you got another person that goes, "Oh yeah, it was a pretty cool trick." You know, and you go, "But you know how it was done, right?" And you're like, "Mm-hmm." I'm like, "Oh, okay, cool. You want to go have a beer?" You know, and they. Now they don't have to put on like false airs and try to keep your attention and keep you invested and keep you enthralled in their their myth. And um, we, I think that that can be very exhausting for people, especially if they have a craft and someone is, you know, putting you on for that craft, that skill. And they say, hey, we want to fly you out here and we want you to teach a workshop. We want you to judge. We want you to do this. We want you to do that and stuff. And everyone walks around you on eggshells like, oh, and... And sometimes, like, those people can feel very lonely. And they say, yeah, like, I, I went all the way out to Amsterdam, and everybody was acting as if I was, like, the Dalai Lama, and I'm just a sweaty house dancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, it's like I want to go hang out with you guys. I want to go do stuff. Oh, oh, but we didn't want to disturb you. We wanted to, like, leave you to your to your thing. It's like, I've never seen the fucking city before. Can you guys take me around and introduce me to things and show me things? I want to go see the Van Gogh Museum. I want to go... Mm-hmm do truffles i want to do all kinds of crazy shit and you know yeah but like to be fair on that and too like there are some people that just like their alone time Mm -hmm. like i remember when i like when i first flew jardy out and i was like hey is there anything that you need he's like hey man just give me a room with some privacy yeah like some people just like their privacy i'm one of them too yeah or like when i go somewhere um amsterdam like you won't really see me hanging out with like too many people Mm -hmm. like because they're moments to where i just like to be alone yeah and just like to just be in my thoughts and just Mm -hmm. do my own thing um maybe it's you know it affected me being an only child growing up as an only child but Mm -hmm. like i don't know man i I just i value alone time Mm -hmm. and shit you know and granted now look at what i fucking do (laughs) (laughs) like like, yeah there's surprise (laughs) i play golf right alone sport right um but yeah, you know, like I, it's, it's a, it's, what do you call this? It's quite the luxury when you can do that. Yeah. You know, when you can just sit in a room by yourself or like go eat by yourself mm-hmm. and just like be in your thoughts. Right. And just like kind of zone out or tune out or go on your phone and look at social media and just mm-hmm. like, you know, be in your thoughts about that shit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's quite, it's quite the luxury, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a host, you know, I've hosted people myself. Like, yeah, you know, I just like to meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, let me know if you need anything. Right. You know, or if, if you want to go see the town, I'd love to show it to you. But yeah. if you need some alone time, you do what you do what you need to do. Whatever mm-hmm. you feel is right for the day. Right. Just let me know. And I think that there's like a, there's a balance point too, because, you know, sadly in this day and age, a lot of people, like we're all on top of each other, but we're all incredibly isolated too. You know, like people have like a very tough time being able to interact with people in the real, but they're all about jumping on social media and like presenting their best side and getting up in everyone's business and being, having an opinion and all this stuff. 
And like you were saying about like, you know, you, you like to have and utilize like alone time and uh, privacy and then also be able to enjoy, you know, that dinner where it's like you go out with like five friends that they're all people that you trust. Like you, you really respect their counsel. So when you go out, it's not, um, cause sometimes you can, uh, like I've gone to like events where I'm the only person in, in my camp. I did that with blueprint, right? Where I went to blueprint by myself and what was dope about that was that I was able to utilize the best aspects of both. Cause I was not like jocking everybody trying to go like, Hey, where's the next thing? Where's the party? Oh, who's going on? Tell me where, where the thing is. I like, I knew where relatively where everybody was going to be. And then I chose if I wanted to participate or not. And then I would say, and everyone's like, Oh styles, what are you doing tomorrow? Well, I'm going to go to this spa where they have a, a sauna and a cold plunge. Mm-hmm. And like, Really? Like, but we're all going to this thing. All right, well, I'll catch up with you guys later. Yeah. And we're like, oh, shit, okay. And then, and then, and then it was like funny because then I'd go out there and they'd be like, damn, I should have taken a play out of your book, man. I'm fucking sore and I'm tired and I only got like three hours of sleep. And I was like, yeah, man, I I made sure that I had my own hotel. Mm-hmm. I had access to all, like, I've, I've got my own vehicle. Everything that I was doing, I was self-sufficient. So that way, if I was too tired at the end of the night, I didn't have to rely on anybody. I didn't have to cut your time short. Because I really need you to drive me back to the hotel or back to the house that I'm being hosted at or unlock the door or any of that shit. Because that's also, that also kind of sucks too when, you know, sometimes you feel almost like you're a burden on other people because you're the guest. But, you know, well, I got to get back because I have to, I have my inhaler back in my my bag. Yeah, or I, that's why I don't like staying at people's places. Yeah. You, you know? know, for the most part, unless they're kind of like they feel like family type, yeah. type of deal. Like, sure, you know, it's nice to save a few extra dollars, mm-hmm. a few hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, man, I like staying, I don't like staying at people's places. Yeah. I'm like, fuck this shit. And it's like, and even like in my case, um, you know, with, with my place, it's like I, I offer my crib to people that we know mm-hmm. um, in the scene if they want it. But it's not like a, it's not like an expectation where you say, oh, well, if you didn't stay here, then well, I feel dissed because of that. It's like, no, man, you fucking go do what you want. Just letting you know that if you, you know, like are trying to save, you know, a couple yardsticks, you know, you've, you've got access to my place. But if you prefer to have someplace where you have autonomy and you want to get a rental car and you want to do your own thing, cool. But if you're like, hey, man... um, I do have a hotel, but I just, I really need a ride. And I don't feel like paying for an Uber to go everywhere. Do you mind kind of being my chauffeur for the weekend? I'd be like, shit. Yeah, I got you. If, it, if it's within my ability to do mm-hmm. awesome. And, and sometimes you run into people that fucking get real rectally wounded when they don't, they, they put that offer out there and you say, Oh, I appreciate it, but no, thank you. And then they kind of feel offended by that. Cause they kind of go like, Oh, what, what does this say about me? And it's like, you're making this about you now. You know, you're already telling, it's like you weren't offering this because you wanted to give them something, you know, unconditionally you were doing because you were hoping you had some expectation that maybe it would be like, you would get like the shout out on the next album or you'd get a fucking gold star or something like that. It's like, no, you simply put it out there and then if they take it, cool. If they don't, awesome. It's, you know, you just say, hey, man, it was on the table for you. It's that simple. It's it's very simple, but I think that we just, our egos also have a tendency to get us into a lot of trouble. There's a, you're talking about going to Blueprint by yourself. Mm-hmm. So for the first 
I think three blueprints or four blueprints. Mm-hmm. I, I always went. I went every year by myself. Yeah, rental car, hotel, everything. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You know, it's it's a luxury to just do shit on your own. Mm-hmm. There is a. I think it was the third blueprint that I went to mm-hmm. by myself and fucking did the jam, mm-hmm. did all that shit. Went to the after party. Mm-hmm. And I looked around, and I, like, this is literally five minutes. I fucking looked around. I was like, all right, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and I fucking went to a strip club by myself. Yeah. <laughs> afterwards. I, went, I was like, I want to see some titties. I'm going to go to the strip club <laughs> and just, like, hang out here by myself. Let's go. Yep. And that's exactly what I fucking did. And it was my first time ever eating a meal at a strip club. They had, like, a buffet bar. There were, like, steaks and shit. I was like, this is kind of weird, but... All right, <laughs> I'm in Texas. Might as well give this a try. Yeah, I was gonna say go big or go home. So yeah, it was the funniest. It was just funniest shit because you know here I am by myself. And then sneaks because I think yeah was it yeah sneaks went to that one too. Mm-hmm. And he hits me up mm-hmm. or like we talked like months later. He's like, yeah, dude, I didn't see you at the after party. I got there like a little later. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, man, it's because I went to a strip club. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Why didn't you hit us up? We would have, you know, Chicago tribe. They're right. all about that rowdiness. Yeah. He's like, dude, we would have went to a strip club with you. I was like, I didn't know, man. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that you guys were about that. Right. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to see some titties that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like chill out. But, you know, that and, and that's and that's the other thing, too, is like it's it's also kind of reading the. Uh, reading the uh, the waves in the water and being able to say, okay, well, if you didn't want to tell anybody and telegraph that you were going to like leave, then you probably wanted to kind of just do your own thing anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you really wanted company, you probably would have gone out of your way to like send out like a text to some some people to say like, hey, everybody, I'm I'm dipping out, and they'd be like, oh, where are you going? Oh, I'm just going to go out to you know strip club or steakhouse or combination of both. And it's like, oh, okay. And it's like, yo, you want to go? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, cool. And then you you coordinate. Otherwise, if that person doesn't put out that offer, um, you know, it's it's difficult because like you don't know sometimes, especially this is how people can be socially awkward. They don't know how to read when a person actually is putting out that line and giving an offer to say like, "Hey, guess what? If you want to go, you know, let me know." Mm-hmm. And other times when a person's like, "I'm just going to go off and do my own thing." And so you you get that person that tries to impose. They go, "Hey, can I go with you?" And you're like, "Uh, yeah, I guess so." You know, mm-hmm. and, and they don't even take that tone and go, "Oh, actually, you know what? Never mind. I got something else I got to do. I just realized uh, you have fun. We'll talk to you later." So yeah, I think it's like super important to pick up on those different social cues. Yeah, you know. I mean, another thing too about being like socially like <laughs> awkward mm-hmm. or not 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 was it? it's not really socially awkward, but socially uneducated just like reading body language or reading the vibe man if it's one thing that i do not like Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry if i've done it to other people it's giving unsolicited advice yeah i fucking hate that shit Mm -hmm. which is why i do a lot of things on my own Mm -hmm. so i don't have somebody in my fucking ear like telling me something when i didn't ask for it right you know and and maybe that's a cliche thing because i don't Mm -hmm. think anyone really likes that shit right yeah it's like, fucking A, dude. Did I fucking ask you how to do this? Yeah. Or like, am I asking you now how to fucking do this? Like, yeah, I get it. You know, like, you've helped me along the way with certain things. But I'm not asking you right now. Let right. me feel this through. Right. Because if I can't feel, if I can't 
if I can't fuck up, how am I really going to learn? Right. Right? Like, the stove is, you're telling me the stove is hot. Is it really? Let me try it. Okay, yeah. I learned. Right. <laughs> it is hot. And, and, you, and you don't know what that concept is because you've never burned your hand. Yeah. So, so, yeah, dude. Like, that's why, you know, a lot of, like, a lot of our peers are like, well, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up real quick. Right. And let me just fuck up. Or, I, I get it. I understand it. I know you're caring. But let me just fuck up real quick. Or if it's... It also kind of shows it's reflective of, um, for instance, you can go, um, you can go to a place where you don't know anybody, right? You feel very uncomfortable and then you decide, okay, well, I want to somehow start to connect with people. So the way that I'm going to connect with people is, oh yeah, you know, your, your scribble foot needs some work and the person indulges you and then you're like, ha, I've got an in now. And now I'm going to get invited to their lunch table. And then eventually I'm going to be sitting at the head of the lunch table. I'm going to be holding court. And now I'm the honored guest versus people who aren't insecure that will just kind of float around. And then someone says they talk to you and they ask you like what you think or how you feel about something or, oh, hey, or I didn't see that you rolled in here with anybody. Are you, are you solo? You're like, yeah. And it's like, where are you from? Well, I'm from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh shit. Okay. Well, you know, here, come click with us if you want and the person's like all right cool or they're like no I'm, I'm good i got my own ride i got my own thing that i'm doing or if, if you like you see someone fucking up right yeah you just simply just ask like hey let me know if you need help yeah like you're not telling them like dude you're fucking up right and you just be like hey let me know if you need help mm-hmm. or if they're really struggling be like do you need help mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like it's it's that simple uh-huh. but it's like it's one thing when someone somebody just fucking goes in there and just like drills you on this shit right i saw at sessions like there's obviously people that show up that we, that we don't know yeah and uh, we don't know them mm-hmm. we don't know what they're like you know right so i tell them like hey welcome to session mm-hmm. let me know if you need help yeah let me know if you'd like to run through things no yeah. pressure <laughs> no pressure at all just let me know well <laughs> It was like it was like the the shoe was on the other foot, um, and I don't know how how they knew you, but um, and I, I can't remember on any, uh, the other podcasts if I ever mentioned this, but there were these three people that never met before, never seen before, that showed up to the session. It was the session that you weren't there, and I was uh, running it, and I was also like, hey, you know, welcome to the workroom. You know, I'm turnstile. Uh, thank you for coming out and stuff. You know, there's space for everybody. So, you know, get down and stuff. If you have any questions or anything, you know, tell you where everything is and, you know, whatnot. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. Thank you. And then like later on, it was like, hey, do you control the music? And I said, yeah. And they were like, can you play some different music? Because we want to teach you this dance. And I'm kind of looking at them like, Okay, um, can we, and, and, and I, so I try to be diplomatic about it, right? Like, rather than saying like, hey, this is a house session, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, can we wait until like the last 15 minutes? Because yeah. everybody else that's here is here to put in work on house. Yeah. And then the young lady was like, oh, okay. And then her friend was like, did you seriously just fucking ask him that shit? And she kind of like pulled her off to the side and was like, bitch, what the fuck do you think you're doing? You're acting out of pocket here. And then she's like, I didn't know and this stuff. And I just kind of sat there and I was just like, ah, youthful exuberance. But it, but it kind of, <laughs> it's, it's sometimes it's like that thing of like where a person 
will not feel comfortable in their own skin. So they kind of want to like push something on other people. Yeah. And you go, okay, well you, you came out to a boxing gym and you want to teach everybody breaking, (laughs) you know, it's like, they're not here for breaking. They're here for boxing. So at that point you kind of have to check a lot of your own shit at the door. And then if someone says, Hey, I noticed that you're very like coordinated. What do you, do you do anything else? And you go, yeah, I break. Mm. Oh, word. Yo, can you show me some shit? Yeah, absolutely. Then it's like that's a very natural, organic way. But if you walk in and the first thing that you do is you walk up to the biggest heavyweight contender who's training and go, Yo, I'm B-Boy so-and-so. You need to fucking learn how to do head spins. You know? He's going to be like, or I could just punch you in the goddamn chest and liquefy your body. You know, what the fuck are you doing here, you clown? Get out of here. You know? Go, oh, but I'm a fucking I'm a dance for Red Bull. So? It's like. Do you think I fucking give a shit? You know, so, um, and and not not to say that those, I know that 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 young lady, she meant well. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I also, I really appreciated that her friend kind of pointed out the social cue and was like, you know, we came out here to this session. This was not like a, like, like just like an open free for all. Mm -hmm. This was not an open gym. This was like a very specific style of dance that they're doing. And, and they, and they were like, and they were doing their own thing. And that's why I never walked over and said, hey, you know, do you want to learn house or anything else like that? I completely left them to their own devices. But then when they stepped over and they said, hey, can we like turn off this music? Well, she was like, can I turn off this music and play some other stuff and then teach you guys how to dance our way? I was like, I, I mean, I, I respect the offer. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> but it's like at the same time, can we wait until like the end? Because we we specifically are doing something that we are all like unanimously like in agreement of, yeah. you know. It would just be like it would it would just be as much out of pocket as if we were at a breaking session, and all of a sudden I walk up and I go, "Yo, this music's fucking gay. Can we listen to some house music?" <laughs> and then all the b boys are like, "You know, where the fuck do you think house music came from, asshole?" Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> and, and they're just like, "Hey, you know, you know, like why why are you uh, why are you coming in here and you're shitting in our cereal, yeah. you know?" And then you're complaining about the taste. <laughs> You know, so again, it leads back to giving respect. Yeah, you know, you, <laughs> you go, you go to a club where everyone's like whacking and voguing, yeah, and then you start, you know, doing yeah, air flares yeah, and shit. Yeah. You know, be prepared that someone's going to finally go like, okay, that's cute and all, but you know, we're we're doing a very specific thing here. So it's like if you don't understand how to like understand uh, to respect that aspect of it, mm-hmm. we're never going to give you that respect back in kind. We're just going to be like, all right. And, and that's how you know when you've like lost the respect is when people will stop and they'll let you do your thing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you know, your 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 backflip chat at the bar, you know, and you got one too many drinks and you jump in the cipher and go, oh, yeah, fuck, and you do a backflip and then you like fall on your head and then everyone just kind of the cipher just like frays away <laughs> and disappears and you don't have the audience anymore and you go, oh, I feel like a dickhead and you're like, as you should. <laughs> uh I always tell people, you know, for sessions, like, look, you can come in and do any practice, any discipline you want. I don't care. Just know that you're going to be doing it to house music. Right. Because that's the most important thing to me. A house right. session, you don't have fucking have the house dance. That's yeah. fine. I don't care. Just, it's a house session, so we're going to mm-hmm. play house music. Yeah. If it's a breaking session, I expect to hear breaks or hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I don't expect to hear fucking house. Like that's what always kind of threw me off when I would mm-hmm. go to some breaking sessions and then we drop in house. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are we dancing to right now? Mm-hmm. Like, 
You know, and, it, and it's like, dude, this sucks because now I don't want to break. I want to fucking dance house now. Right. Thanks a lot, asshole. Right. <laughs> or, 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 or they, because they see you, they kind of give you like the, yeah, like they, they, they put on your song and they yeah. go, yeah, look, look, I, I know that you, you know, you, you know how to rock. So I'm going to play, you know, just begun and then smile at you like, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah, you're and like, like, this defeats the purpose. Like, bro, this like, is a popping event. You like, know? Yeah, I don't fucking need to hear that shit. Right, it's like now I want to leave. Right, <laughs> you, know? you know, but but that was it was funny because like this kind of bookends back to like my my gig because uh, I had that uh, this was like oh god I, I was so aggro about the shit. Um, but uh, yesterday when I was spinning, I don't mind when people walk up because they don't know. Right, if you walk up and you say, "Hey, do you take requests?" That's that in my, in my opinion as a DJ, that's a very appropriate thing Absolutely. to ask, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had it happen where we've made flyers, we've promoted the event, and then someone will still walk up and say, "Well, I just walked in off the street. Uh, can you play some Rihanna?" And I'm like, "This is a house event," and they're kind of like, "What does that even mean?" And it's just like, "Well, then you need to just go over there and enjoy your drink, and maybe you learn something." Um, but this uh, this gentleman was with like a, a party of people that were getting inked, and uh, he walks over to me, <laughs> steps over to the booth, and he's just like, um, uh, "Can you can you do requests?" I said, and I and I, I was honest with him. I said, um, "Depends on if I have it." I mm-hmm. said, "Because I got my laptop here, but I don't have um, internet access to their Wi-Fi, so I can't download anything." Yeah, that's a fair you answer. Yeah. And and he goes, "Oh, okay. Well, um, uh, I was just wondering if you could play any any name some song." And, and I said, I don't, I don't even know who did that song. And he's like, you've never heard of the killers. And I'm like, I've heard of the killers, but I've never heard of that song. And then he goes, well, can you play some other punk? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And he goes, yeah, like play some like uh, my chemical romance. That's and not then punk and, and, and my, <laughs> the fucking needle in my soul went, <laughs> and I was just like, excuse me. And as, as he's talking to me about this, I start pulling my shirt open like Superman because I was wearing my Bad Brains t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, MCR is not punk. Mm-hmm. And he goes... That's what? pop more than oh, anything. It's pop oh, and, and, and I was like... I was like... <laughs> I was like that. That's that's emo as yeah, fuck. And like I'm like... Emo pop. Right. right and, and I go... Um, and I go... I got punk. So he goes and he sits over and then I... I put him on a fucking like Ferris wheel of just, I just inundated the whole damn rest of my set with punk. And it was so funny because, uh, the, the guy who runs the shop, Al, he's at the other end, he's mining the front desk. And as soon as I started playing punk, he like leans over and looks at me. Cause most of the time I'm playing like combinations of like house disco, some lo-fi, some down tempo, drum and bass, things like that. And he fucking looks over at me and I'm just putting a pace on this guy and this guy is just kind of like, what the fuck did I just do? And everybody was just like looking at him, like, what did you say to him? Because I'm, I'm just dropping just tons and tons. Yeah, I and could tons. see, I could see you just like fucking every track that you drop, you're looking at him like he's a fucking like piece of steak that you're about to eat. <laughs> I was. You're like so determined, or right? Like, like you're like you're 
Like, you know, like you're walking to the bathroom, to, getting ready to take, like, the biggest fucking <laughs> shit in the world. No, it was like the look in the Shawshank Redemption when Andy had the record player and he was in the warden's office. And the guy was like, he's like, turn that shit off. And all of a sudden he, like, goes over to turn it off. And then he looks at him and then turns the volume up. That's what I fucking did. And, I mean, and I was hitting him with everything. I was hitting him with uh, bad brains, um, uh, minor threat, no effects fucking uh like protopunk so like uh iggy and the stooges and uh uh velvet underground and like and like and i was just fucking just going 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 and then finally him and his party they, they left and as soon as they left then i went back to like two-tone ska and reggae <laughs> and, <laughs> and like chill vibes and then uh al kind of comes over he goes what the fuck did he say to you i said Oh, he, he he came up and he gave me a request. He wanted to hear some punk rock, like uh, My Chemical Romance. And when I said that, the other artists in the shop were like, what? Like, I heard them fucking hear what I said, and they were, like, chiming back. They were, like, in the middle, like, working on people. I was afraid they were going to go, what? And, like, <laughs> do, like, a line across someone's leg. And they were like, "What? did he fucking say that? And I was like, yeah, he fucking said that. And And I know that, like, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, you know, so what? Somebody misunderstood a genre. Big yeah, deal. But yeah. for me, as as a human being, I'm like, um, we're in an age now where all you have to do is go like, um, what year was that, Google? And you get the answer. Yeah. And people are still like incapable of going in their pocket and getting the information. They just want to make an assumption. That's what I've been fucking saying like, for the past how right. many years. I'm like, we have these devices in our pockets where we can literally... Now, I'm not saying that Google's the end-all, be-all, right. but we do have these devices in our pockets that can kind of generalize what we're looking for. Right, and <laughs> and but yet, like this is this is a problem with our 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 brains too. I think is that we are very comfortable with reading the headline, but not reading the article. Mm-hmm. So we turn around and say, you know, extra extra. Did you hear that? You know, they're turning the frogs gay or something, <laughs> and you're like, oh, word. And then you actually read the article. And it's just like, and in some theories, it says that the turns the frogs gay, but in actuality, that's just because of the genome does this and blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like, and they, they give this explanation, but they wanted to grab you and, and get the click, right? So that's all they cared about was the click. And then when you read it, you and maybe you fact check, you read two or three articles, and you finally say, okay, I think this person doesn't even know the origins of punk because they're saying that, you know, it all began with Green Day, Right. Like that's like their their jump off point or motherfuckers that do this shit where they say, yo, man, I love that what you guys do, you know, fucking old school and shit, man, you know, like like the old school hip hop, you know, like Pac and Biggie. And I go, that's old school to you? Yeah, man, the fucking origins of hip hop. That's 90s. Yeah. And old and I, school. I'm like, I'm like, you need to do some homework. And then and then you put them onto some shit, and then one of two things happens: either they take it and they go, "Wow, I was unaware of all this stuff," or they defensively they kind of go, "Oh yeah, cool, I'll, I'll I'll look into that," and then they fucking walk away. <laughs> either way, they're they, they're out of your fucking face now. Yeah. And and for me, it's like I I also get it too when like let's say the person is like you know they're they're like fifteen, sixteen, and they're and they're still like learning, right? They're they're in that developmental stage of their life where they're just starting to really get into music and they're starting to go out and like obtain music and like do research and things like that. Cause when you're seven, you're kind of just like whatever is on TV or whatever the parents like throw on the iPad for you is kind of how you 
you get your jump off, right? And then you get to a point where you kind of go, let me look this up. Mm-hmm. And, um, but like for me, I get really, um, uh, it's, it's not, it's not so much that I get impatient. It's just that I kind of go like, okay, well, if you want to talk about this, you can even just be honest with yourself and say, Hey, listen, I don't really know a lot about punk, but this was like what I thought punk was or what I thought hip hop was or what I thought funk was or soul or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's why like, I have a bone to pick sometimes with certain dance styles that are derivative that don't really like actualize and say, okay, well, you know what? We're derivative of locking, you know, but to be honest, we're not exactly locking. We're, we're kind of locking. We're quasi locking. And then someone will say, oh, it's the next evolution of locking. And then you talk to that person and you go, how long have you been dancing? Oh, about three years. Really? What was your <laughs> jump off point? Oh, I saw, um, I saw this one thing on YouTube of these two guys from Japan and then I just emulated it. And you go, okay, do you, do you know what that style of dance is? No, no, but I just copied it. And then now we decided to give it some name. We're, we're going to call it, you know, something. And, you know, and then people think like, oh, wow, it's this new dance style, you know, just like with breaking, you know, like people were breaking. And then you had people that came from like jazz and tap that were saying like, there's a lot of those moves that we've done before or that we've seen before. And some people that are breaking because of like what they're exposed to, like, no, man, we invented this from scratch. And there's other people that have an open mind that say, oh, really? Like, show me. And they go, here, here's, here, here's this, like, uh, this old like 1940s film, and check this out. And they see the Nicholas Brothers, and they go, oh, shit, they were doing that back then? Fuck, man, this is dope. You know, and now you, you have like a, a greater appreciation for history, but at the same time, you're still like continuing to you know, progress in what you're doing because you have to keep you have to pass the torch on and you have to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And then there's like people that say, yeah, I, I started off with green day or I started off with my chemical romance or I started off with, you know, fucking 30 seconds to Mars or whatever. And then I went back and I started listening to Lou Reed and David Bowie or, um, uh, Iggy pop or, mm-hmm. you know, the Ramones or the ruts and, you know, and they, and they, and they start to just, you know, explore around and say like, wow, I'm really interested into like what was, what was like the youth movement of the seventies or the sixties or the fifties. And then how that was derivative of something else. And then you have this greater appreciation and you find that, you know, kind of the, the house head or the B boy mentality existed back in, in the fifties too. It was just, it was something different. It was called something different, but there was still like a, like an essence or a vibe. And go, oh yeah, I identify with that. And you appreciate it. But then you get people that try to, you know, shoehorn into different things and, and say like, oh, yeah, you know, this is, uh, you know, like we just spontaneously made this like from scratch and it wasn't inspired by anybody or anything else. We just made it right. Like they right try here. to claim it and they try to claim it. And mm-hmm. and that can be very frustrating, especially when you yeah. are an artist or you love things like culture and you know music and history and stuff like that and then someone just kind of comes in and goes well you know i've only been in this for about two years of my life but i think i know more than you and they they give you the okay boomer kind of eyes and you go Mm -hmm. all right well you're gonna fucking learn pretty soon and then you're gonna go back and one day and you're gonna realize like oh my god i was like 
completely out of pocket. I had no idea what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was actually standing by like a person who invented a move that I do or, you know, something that I just kind of was like, I didn't appreciate that. And then they lose their identity and get depressed. Yep. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. So <laughs> with that being said, yeah, My Chemical Romance is not punk rock. It's not punk. Now, we're not, I'm not bagging on My Chemical Romance. I like some of their tracks. I like, like all those guys you listed, 30 Seconds mm-hmm. to Mars, Green Day, I like some of their tracks, yep. their tracks, man. You know, it brings me back to my fucking skating days and mm-hmm. shit because that's what correlated me when I used to skateboard. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not punk. Well, you know, people made the same mistake even in, in the, um, in the, the eighties into the nineties when it came down to ska, right? Like I remember I'd have discussions with people where they would, they would say like, Oh, you listen to ska? And I'd be like, yeah, listen to ska. And then they would play real big fish. And I would say, well, or sublime. And I'd be like, well, they're, they're ska core. I said, but that's not ska. And they go, yeah, it is. It's that's ska. And I'm like, no, this is ska. And I play him like two tone shit that was like directly from Jamaica that was done in the '60s. And they're like, what the fuck is this? This sounds like hokey and kind of, kind of what? And I'm like, this is all the stuff that inspired Fishbone, and this is all the stuff that inspired, you know, um, <laughs> Sublime or the Bad Brains and all these other groups, you know. And then it eventually turned into uh, dub and reggae and you know so on and so forth. But I'm like, but. And and even that, like even ska was something that was inspired. A lot of the Jamaicans at the time were trying to emulate R&B, the, the 60s R&B from like uh, the Motown sound and things like that. But they, it was going through the filter of Jamaica. So they were doing it their way. And eventually it just kind of became like its own unique sound and rhythm. And people were like, man, this is so fucking dope, dude. And they were like, well, we were trying to be you. We were trying to be Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. We were trying to be the temptations but of course we're you know also being true to our jamaican roots so we were kind of doing it our way and our style and our sound and that's like you know when you looked at like bob marley and the whalers when they started off they were wearing like the the nice suits and you know they all had like the the short haircuts and they're all like standing doing like the kind of the cheesy group photo with their they're standing like in front of one mic and stuff and they wanted to be like that kind of crooning group and then they just went completely in a, into a, a deeper direction and it's because you you get inspired by things and then you also want to push it into a direction where you feel gravity towards and i think that that's like that's something to be admired and respected but then if you don't like if you were to talk to bob marley he wouldn't be the guy that would have been like you know oh yeah i invented and created all this shit and i'm just you know the grand poobah of X, Y, and Z. He'd be like, no, man, I was trying to do this and I was trying to do that. And then I just kind of stumbled into this. And then Rastafarian religion was very important to me. So that had an influence. So he kind of understood how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. And then, you know, you meet, you know, like young rappers nowadays who even don't even have the, the decency to have a name that is original where they, they say, okay, well, who are the two like hottest people that I can emulate? Um, you know, not, not directly dissing him. I'm just saying like an example of this guy. So, you know, if you're a fan of him, I'm, whatever, I'm sorry, or go fuck yourself, whatever. I don't care if you're offended, but like Lil Nas X, right. Mm-hmm. You're saying like, okay, I'm going to take the, the cliche Lil that mm-hmm. so many people from Lil Bow Wow to Lil Wayne to Lil John to, you know, Lil Yachty to like all these like Lil names 
And then I'm also going to take this like famous MC Nas, mm. and then probably like, throw like the Malcolm X moniker on the back <laughs> of that. I mean, yeah. that'd be like me saying like little like I'm gonna call myself uh, Lil Rakim Pac, mm-hmm. and then everyone would see that and go, "Man, that's fucking hokey." But you give it enough time, and there's enough like kind of short term amnesia where people don't even fucking remember you know, who Nas was, you know, right. if they're of a certain age group. Mm-hmm. And then someone plays Nas for him. You know, that's why I love watching YouTube when it's like a bunch of people that are like in their early 20s and someone will play like, you know, Chub Rock or, you know, Kid and Play or, you know, Nas or Rakim. And, you, and these people are going, yo, man, this is fucking crazy. And you're like, yeah, bro, this is like hip hop history 101. And they're like, man, I didn't even know this fucking existed, you know. <laughs> and they're like, when was this? Like, like 1998. And you're like, no, man, this was like 1988. Mm. And they go, holy shit! And they, and they're so dumbfounded, they can't fathom that somebody did something with this much impact. And they just think they think that like spontaneously, this all just came out of the ground, just like with breaking. Motherfuckers thought that breaking started in like 81 because that was the first time they saw Style Wars or. Um, uh, wild style and shit like that and they had no idea of the back history they didn't realize that this stuff was like brewing in the Bronx for years and years and years and then finally it's like this is what came out of the oven and people thought that it just happened like yesterday it was like these disenfranchised kids in the boogie down Bronx are finding a way to avoid gang violence by spinning on their heads you know, it's just like you know and Unbeknownst to them, they didn't realize that it's just like, you know, these guys are also stick-up kids, and they sell drugs, or they kill people, or they do this and that, but they also happen to be good at dancing. You know, there's, there's like, all this, like, weird shit that gets, like, tagged onto it, and people want to make these narratives and make it into something, you know, else, and then remarket it and rebrand it and sell it to kids in the suburbs, and eventually now it gets out of the hands of, like, where it really came from. And people have this distance from it. So then now they come back and they say, oh, I want to learn how to break dance. I'm going to go to the South Bronx. And they're in for a rude awakening. They go, whoa, what is this? I flew all the way over from Korea. (laughs) You know, I'm in this really weird predicament now. You know, and it's not to say anything bad about that, like the origins of these things. It's just just to be realistic about these narratives. And like when you see something, remember that if it's on MTV or... If it's, you know, pushed on, you know, YouTube or someone's channel or whatever, it's like it's been in the forge for a long time. It's been refined and built and refined and deconstructed and reconstructed so many times that now this isn't like this just didn't come out like yesterday spontaneously out of the ground. It's been it's been in the works. Well, stuff like makes it stuff comes back. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, on Friday, and it's funny because I'm going back to Marin here, mm-hmm. but. You know, Marin wasn't just an excellent dancer. Oh, she wasn't just killing it on Friday. Mm-hmm. But what she was wearing was so unique to me. Yeah, she was wearing she those was wearing flares, those flared yoga pants. Yeah, she's wearing flares and a hoodie, which is like a style that I haven't seen in like fifteen years. Yeah, and and then I was thinking in my head, like, man, she is killing it. Mm-hmm. But I forgot how good like women looked dancing in fucking flare pants, right? Like right. to, especially with a house because that mm-hmm. was like the image in the early two thousands mm-hmm. from footage that I've seen back yeah. then. Yeah, like yeah, sure. There was the baggy sweats, 
But fucking that shit like brought me back to like Circle of Fire type right. shit like Cody mm-hmm. who would wear like flare pants mm-hmm. and I was like, damn, that actually looks fucking good. Yeah. Or um like the one the one thing that I really like and appreciate, um you see this with a lot of the European dancers, but like the the ultra flared like bohemian um kind of uh pants that yeah. are reminiscent of like, like uh, northern soul like northern soul and like salsa yeah. dancers um yeah. and club dancers from like the new york era of like the early 70s yeah. where they weren't even like bell bottoms they were just like straight up like they were like a they were like a skirt that was like hemmed in the middle basically and mm-hmm. so when you watch uh people like uh, Miu is a good example um the aesthetic is really super dope uh her and also um uh glow like when they'll they'll be like rocking like these pants that have like a certain type of uh um uh there's like a certain type of like a uh the way it's a flare the way that it it, it flares around yeah Yeah. and and you're like you know because it it would look you know and and i also think too that to be um to be honest that's also another big reason why breaking evolved in a certain way that it did in the aesthetic was because people stopped rocking super baggy shit and were wearing more form fitting and like stretch denim and stuff. So the footwork became more articulate because you no longer were like clipping and cutting on to these, you know, massive pants that that you were drowning in. Mm -hmm. So you you had to be sharp. Yeah, you had to be sharp. And that's why it kind of went back to the, you know, brand new old school, you know, people started rocking what B boys were wearing in the, um, the, the, like the mid to late seventies, where they weren't even wearing, you know, they, the the baggy era didn't start coming into play until the uh, later part of the '80s, and people started, you know, less tapered clothes and less parachute pants and more just like straight up like just fucking, you know, you're drowning in your clothes, and that's like when like skateboarding, especially street skating culture, merged with all this stuff, and you started to see the aesthetic of the style of dance was like a certain type of rawness. And then by, you know, like the mid to late 2000s, everyone was back down to like tighter fit Lee jeans and pro keds and trucker caps and, you know, uh, denim jackets and shit like that. And, you know, so you started to see that, yeah, you, these waves and these styles, they they kind of, they, they, they plunge, they, they, they hit get, a peak. Yeah, they get recycled. Yeah. And they eventually come back. Right. And like, now people are wearing baggy shit again. Yeah, you like Jardy's one of them. Like he's yep. like I commented on one of his videos. And I was like, dude, I haven't seen you wear Air Max nineties in like ten years. Yeah, he's like, yeah, man, they're back. You know, especially uh-huh. with my form too. Like the the baggy form is back too. Uh huh. I'm like, ah. what's nice, what's beautiful is that you know, depending on what you want to do, you can do whatever the hell you want. Like mm-hmm. me, I don't think I'll go back to the baggy era. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like, I didn't like it, mm-hmm. and shit always like went under my shoes and fucking yeah. cut up my shit, and mm-hmm. it's like, ah, fuck that. I like what my, where my fashion's at right now, where right. it's it's not too form fitting, mm-hmm. but it's still athleisure. Yeah, and um, and I love athleisure wear. Yeah. Because you can still have like that flariness to it, mm-hmm. but still show how sharp you really are. Right. Um, yeah, like that baggy, all the baggy shit's coming back big time now. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, starting to become a big trend in in the house dance community. Yeah, especially with the males mm-hmm. and whatnot, or the guys that identify as male. Oh, fuck right. Out, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the you know like especially with the guys and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, one one. Trend that I was that uh, I was surprised left was the romper with the with the women in house mm-hmm. when they used to rock rompers. Mm-hmm. You remember that shit? You know what rompers are? 
Oh, refresh my memory. It's a full body suit, basically. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. still flared at the bottom. Uh-huh, yep. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I, I remember, I think it was Mary Kay brought mm-hmm. that in, mm-hmm. Sarah Bida, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Nalita was one of them, too. But after after I saw them where like all these women are fucking rocking that shit, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh shit, here's a trend. Yep. Well, or that other trend where it was like a lot of women were wearing almost like um, it was like it was like savers meets PTA mom kind of things. You know, like they were wearing like mom jeans where like the it would go like way up past yeah. the the navel, damn near to like their mm-hmm. their chest, mm-hmm. and. You know, and and I'm kind of like looking. I'm like, you know, you you look like you're going to pick up your kids from soccer right after this, yeah. or they would wear like a a super uh, a super baggy, uh, like four color toned windbreaker with like a Technicolor shirt of a cat. Well, the thing you is, <laughs> like that shit is. Yeah. I mean, I think generally right now the baggy stuff is back, mm-hmm. but there's still all the other shit that people are rocking. Yeah. You know, like I've seen a lot of women right now are into like the '90s baggy jeans. Yeah, yep. You know, the Aaliyah look essentially. Yeah, is what they're all like right. going towards, or mm-hmm. TLC Aaliyah mm-hmm. and whatnot. And yeah, doing like the um, doing like either uh, crop tops or like sports bras, and then yeah. having like the baggy pants. Yeah, and stuff, and and you know, and the thing is that I think that also your clothing should be reflective of your style of dance too um for instance me like how like you feel comfortable wearing stuff that's more form fitting and i'm like the opposite i don't i don't necessarily want to be like i'm not the the jinko guy drowning in his jeans type of cat um but i like having stuff that's baggy because um i like the aesthetic and i like the feel and i like um the range of motion i don't like wearing things that are like constrictive to where I can't like move my leg in a certain spot because the the uh the stitching won't allow me to. So when I when I buy pants, um most of the time I like stuff that's like baggy, but then I kind of like that taper towards the bottom because I also don't want it to like drown my shoe either. I want to show off my shoe. Right. And um so I, I like a lot of the stuff where it's baggy and then once it gets down to the bottom it kind of like it, it starts to like get down to like a, a point. Mm-hmm. So uh, taper, yeah. So it's it's really all in all. It's honestly all into the uh, the fabric, yeah. Like the like because you could still wear form fitting shit and it'll be stretchy as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like here's a tip for those of you that are wondering like what is that fabric? Well, it's two to four percent elastane and then the rest is cotton. Yeah, that's all it is. Right. Um, and that those were the type of jeans that I used to dance in a lot. Mm-hmm. And I always made sure that there was at least two to four percent elastane spandex. Mm-hmm. And then the rest was cotton because that's right. what made up the jean like the exactly. jean look. Um, fuck, what was I gonna fucking say? I like lost my train of thought here for a good for a good minute. It happens. Yeah, one too many. <laughs> <laughs> one too many. Um. Anyways, we have the event coming up. Yeah, we do have the event coming up for the Flow State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I bought some tracks and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I bought some new tracks because I'm sure there's some people that have the mm-hmm. same tracks that I have. But um, I bought some tracks that are new to my library, mm-hmm. to my crates. And um, I was testing them out yesterday, and I was like, oh, shit, this is nice. Yeah. And I damn near almost recorded a fucking mix. Yeah. I was like, wow. 
I'm actually doing really well at the moment. Yeah. And I should probably record this. Right. And I might, I don't know, maybe I'll do it tomorrow or yeah. something. But, um, cause yeah, I'm trying to release a mix every month, mm-hmm. you know, it's <laughs> cause for a while I would release a mix once every six months mm-hmm. and I'd let that mix ride out and it would get the views. It would get yeah. the listen or not the views, but the listens mm-hmm. and shit like that. But I'm trying to be more proactive mm-hmm. now where I'm, I'm making a routine to be more proactive. Yeah. It's just a good way to sharpen up. Yeah. And shit. I, I try to do the same thing when it comes to, um, sometimes like if I know that I've got like a gig coming up, that's specifically like house related, I treat it almost like stand up where you, you go out and you work out your, your routine and then you film the special. And then once you film the special, you shelve all those jokes. So now the next time around, you're not, you know, everyone's like yelling, you know, Hey, do, you know, the, you know, the tater salad routine. And you're like, well, I got a whole new act now. So I try to do that with like my mixes too, where if I, if I record it and I release it on my SoundCloud, then typically I'm not, it's kind of like I've, I've used those in like so many live gigs that now I feel comfortable to like put everything together and make like, this is the compilation of like what I've been going through in the last, you know, couple weeks or months or, or what have you. And I'm able to like release that. And then I try to move on to, you know, finding more music because one thing that I, I always get, I always get like really, I, I cringe even within myself where I'll realize that I used a track in like three or four different mixes. They were not like consecutive. So it wasn't like if you listen sequentially, you go, Oh, you use that same fucking track in like these last three ones. But like, I'll notice that like, I have like, an early mix that had that track and then like a few, you know, mixes down the line I have, I used it again and I'm like, fuck. But sometimes there's just like just certain songs that you just feel. Well, and well, I was going to say that. So I, I try to be like very, like every time that I make a mix, I try to be very conscious of not being redundant and using the same shit that I've always used. Yeah. And, And it's like at a gig, it's, that's, that's one thing. And also even at a gig, also be conscious and mindful that if you have the same crowd, don't just keep playing, you know, follow yeah. me every single fucking time. It's like, mix it up a little bit. Like, you right. haven't, nobody's heard that shit for a while and then throw it on them. And they're like, oh my God, this is great. But if it's like, oh, I've been in the last four gigs that you've done and you've used the same, almost the same order of tracks too. That's, oh, I mean, the thing is, if it's a banger, it's a banger. Yeah. Right. If you're feeling mm-hmm. it, you're feeling it. Right. So it gives a fuck. Right. But another thing too is that, because I used to kind of, bitch about that as well mm-hmm. like i used to bitch about not really bitch but i'd always question john agasila like his mixes i'm like why the fuck does he keep playing this track mm-hmm. and then i realized that these are live events yeah. that he's playing on and he right. just recorded it to upload it right so there's that one track which is a it's a banger yeah like i don't mind hearing it every mm-hmm. time he plays it and it's always going to be there. Yep. You know, like for me like i have some tracks that are like fucking bangers so yeah. like, that's a banger dude this is like shit that when you hear this song you're probably gonna think of me yeah because i'm the one right. that fucking plays it and so far i'm the one that's only had it on a mix yeah I and mean, if someone else had it on their mix it's because i shared it with them right like that one song from um she mm-hmm. from um uh stokely yeah who was part of mint condition uh-huh uh i always play that fucking track because mm-hmm. I wasn't the first one to find it, obviously, but I did mm-hmm. find it on Bandcamp, and I noticed that no one was fucking playing. It's people that I listened to. And then the only person that did end up putting on a mix was Raul's because mm-hmm. I shared it with him. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, saw that coming. Uh, 
Well, you know, when you have a banger, you have a banger. Man. Right. And if you like it, fucking play it. You right. Know, if people have something to say with it and say about it, then, oh, well, let them mix. Well, that's what I've always liked about your style, too, is that just like your dance, um, I was saying, like, your dance is a reflection of your personality. Your mixing and your track selection is also a reflective of how I know you. So, like, one of the things that's kind of like a through line has always been um, 90s R&B and neo-soul. So whenever you've done any type of a track um, or a mix, your track selection is very, like, it's, um, it's like, really smooth. And it's got that, that R&B uh, sensibility to it. Even if it's, it's just straight-up house track, it's still got this, like, R&B vibe to it. There's a vocal. Right. You're going to find a vocal there. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like, you know, you're, you're hearing, like, a lot of, like, uh, whether it's uh, reworks and re-edits of um, 90s and uh, even, like, late 80s R&B songs that were, you know, um, re-edited and stuff. So you'll hear, you know, say, uh, uh, what was the one that you put me on to that I just couldn't get enough of? Um, was it the Pass Me By track? Uh, yeah, the Pass Me By track, mm -hmm. um, which just fucking bumps, too. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the, the the same thing with, like, you know, you'll throw, like, a lot of, like, Pevin Everett into... Um, the the mix of things just because he's got a certain type of a vocal and a staccato that mm -hmm. I also know that as a dancer it's like what you're playing is like I would dance to this mm -hmm. as opposed to like oh I just think this is a good song and it's famous and I'm gonna fucking put it out there for the, no, the people he, he has that voice that makes you want to dance right you're like damn and it, and it's like so whenever I hear your mixes it's funny because like as soon as I hear a mix I immediately am like thinking of how you would dance to your mix. Right. And I'm like, this is like, just, this is, this is just Ozzy. This is like a signature sound. And, um, you know, and, and me, I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I kind of feel like where, where my sensibility really is like, especially like lately has been, um, I, I love, I love Jack and house. Right. I love stuff. That's got that, that ability to like get people, not yeah yours yours so your how i feel when i dance to your stuff mm -hmm. is more like yeah jacking mm -hmm. but more like disco-ish type yeah. of jack it's like a disco jack is yeah. what i get from from like the music selection selection that yeah. you have you know like you can't necessarily get too deep mm -hmm. with it which mm -hmm. is like with my type of mixing like i i'm trying to get people to go deep right and to like really like fucking throw up mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and cry and shit right or like yours is like you know let's let's get this happiness going but yeah. to like keep it raw right at the same time yeah um and when I think of Ty, when he spins, it's more of like that Chicago classic with a Minneapolis flair to it. Yeah, yeah. Because because he he's, he'll throw um he'll throw like really good grooves and yeah. uh, soulful. Um, yeah, he'll he'll take you on a journey. Yeah, is what it really is. Right. Like he'll 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 fuck with your emotions. Right. Is what it really is, and like that's one thing I'm still trying to catch. Because so if you look at my selection, yeah, majority of it is like soulful mm -hmm. afro deep mm -hmm. you know you know like very vocal emotions right. type of feel but i try my best to take people on a journey mm -hmm. whether it's like because every now and then i'll stay on that soulful train right and then i'll get out real quick and throw in a quick jacking track or throw right. in like a quick accented like heavy beat track right and then go back yeah you know i like to fuck with people right and that's one thing that ty is so good at mm -hmm. where it's like i was literally just about to try and make love to this woman and now i want to just like dance by myself right <laughs> like get out yeah. get the fuck out i gotta dance now yeah and you know and, and i've like 
I've also I've kind of I've, I've pivoted in some of uh, the stuff that I've been like mixing with, especially where I've been going into, especially like the last maybe even like couple of years, where beforehand I was like I was really like primarily like the Paradise Garage. Mm-hmm. meets uh Frankie Knuckles like warehouse sound right it was a lot of like um if it wasn't straight up disco it would also be um like revamped um uh disco house mm-hmm. so you know they would do a sample from like an old uh Nita Ward um record or uh Lita Holloway or something and then it was just like but it was like a, a new a new uh vibe to that um but then I started um I think like the the big change or the pivot was when uh when Coflo came to yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. And when he uh when he jumped on the decks and I just watched him and I just saw how he operated. And afterwards he was really gracious because it was like as soon as he was done and he was only he was only on there for like a half hour. Mm-hmm. He goes, "Hey man, thank you so much." And I was like, "Here, man, I'm, you know, cuz he was a guest and I decided to to pay him um you know, I was like, all right, let's just go fifty fifty on this because, you know, you you came in even though it was only a half hour. He's like, oh man, I no, I can't, I don't deserve this. I was like, hey man, you came a long way. You're here, mm-hmm. you know, I really appreciate it. It was a treat, and also I learned a lot. So I'm kind of feel like I'm investing in mm-hmm. this. This is a clinic for me. Um, and then before I even paid him, he was just like here, and he fucking just took his file and just like scrolled it over to my laptop and just gave me like all of his shit that was on his drive. I was just like, fuck. (laughs) So, so I started going through like all of his stuff and not only like the stuff that he's produced and like re-edits that he's done, but also just like the stuff that he listens to that he fucks with. So that put me on this whole, um, vibe of, uh, variations of like different grooves of Afro house. And I noticed um, that from you too, Yoruba and things like that. And, um, so what I try to do now with my sound is like, like you were saying, you kind of hit the nail on the head where it's like with disco, the whole thing about disco was that this is a place where you have to like go to like let go mm-hmm. and decompress because life is a very tough thing to navigate. So you want to be able to have that few hours to just release. Right. And you want to hit this, this place you want to go to church and you want to just like, mm-hmm. you know, just shine. Um, but I also, understand that you can't keep everything at a constant high point. You have to be able to like take people on, like you were saying with like Ty, take people on a journey. So I started figuring out how to like thematically blend records together. So I would say, all right, I'm going to bring you up to this high point, this crescendo, but then I'm going to start taking you like through the depths on like a vibey track that's going to go to this. And then once you get to like the pit, then maybe it's going to be like a primal thing. So that's like when I hit you up on the, like the lowest of the lows, that's where I'll bring you to like some just really crazy like Afro house groove, mm-hmm. and it's just like mostly percussive, and there's like maybe hardly any melody. It's just just beat, and then from that I start bringing you back up into tones and kind of colors and nuances until finally we get back up to like above the clouds where it's just like nothing but like blue skies and like sunshine, and um, also what I like to explore is how we can take um, certain records that uh, like I'll, I'll play stuff like specifically for the dancers and then I get something that kind of like everybody can relate to. So it gets the people that are on the wall 
off of the wall or if they're nursing their drink the whole time they go i don't really i can't do any of the stuff that you guys are doing so i'm just going to sit back here in the cut and just watch but i notice that i start pulling people that are like sidelining in and i get them involved too and they they enjoy that because they say hey you know what i can't do what i'm seeing everybody else doing but like that record that you played it like it pulled me to the floor i couldn't help it i had to go to the dance floor and i don't even dance but I just I had to be in the middle of it. I had to like get in the water and like swim with everybody. And then after I kind of got my fill, I was like, all right, cool. I've, you know, I've, I've been in the the pool enough. I'm gonna go back over here and dry off, kind of. And I really like that because then everybody gets something from the party. Mm-hmm. And that and that's kind of like really where my core was because initially I was like, oh, I want, I'm just I'm a house DJ. I'm gonna be a house DJ. But what I've really learned from doing non house events. Um, whether it's uh, um, Summer Cypher or playing over at the tattoo shop and like various like pop-up parties that I've done for people and stuff is I, it really makes me appreciate just how to read the room and play different music to set a tone and a vibe for, for folks. So, you know, I'll play, you know, some early 90s um, uh, New Jack, like late 80s, early 90s New Jack, and that'll get people out on the dance floor and then I'll throw something on them that they weren't expecting. And they go, oh, I'm going to stay on the dance floor. And then I throw mm-hmm. something else. And then all of a sudden, like, OGs come in. And then I play something else. And then it's like younger folks come in. And everyone is like, I'm, I'm kind of like tacking all this shit on. So people all get out to the floor and they have a really good time. And then um, after I've kind of hit my my high point with it, I usually like to do something that sort of like takes everybody out on like a chorus so it's like now this is like the it's like the it's like the musical the big number at the end of the musical right where like everybody from like the the guy that was in the background that was like sweeping you know or the construction worker and the person in like the the suit and the traffic cop and you know all the other village people like everybody just kind of comes out of the woodwork and everyone starts dancing and singing together for like the big number and then finally it's like ta da it's done and it's like the end right mm-hmm. I like doing that on uh, the end of the the party like I like to kind of end it all on a high note where everyone sometimes it's a record that everybody knows the lyrics to so they all sing along Mm -hmm. or sometimes it's something that um, I might just hit them with like just like this like really like churchy uh, gospel house track that'll also just get them just fucking going and then finally it's like all right everybody thank you so much get home safe have a great night you know Mm -hmm. be good to one another you know and then at that point it's kind of like yeah now now the night is finalized for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I've been trying to evolve that because before I was, I was just trying to, I think first I was just trying to find a sound and specifically like my signature. And now it's like, now that I know how to write in different styles, it's like, okay, what do I want to say with this? Mm-hmm. And that's a really tricky thing. And how do I do this where I can leave some spontaneity, but I can also kind of have like a blueprint of what I want to say and then like find that happy medium. So I'm not just like running a set, and saying, okay, these are the 10 tracks that I selected. I've got an objective from A to B to C. Because you might play something that goes, fuck, man, I could I could really bookend off of that mm-hmm. with this record. But that's not the first track that I have on my, on my set list. So I have to know my music, and I have to go in and say, all right, but I got this other one that's like really good R&B uh, meets uh, Afro House that'll bookend beautifully with that Pevin Everett that you, you know, we're playing as your last record. So that's what I like too. That's why I like spinning with you and Ty because we all kind of keep each other honest 
mm-hmm. when we mix, we all like find like a way to say like, okay, if we're going to go like two for two, or if we're just going to do an entire set, but I don't want to change drastically the vibe. I want to segue. I want to, I really want to mix off of what you were already mixing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go ahead and drop a, you know, big, crazy, uh, like, uh, early nineties, um, strictly rhythm, like big club vibe. If you were playing something that was like super down tempo and like lo-fi, cause it's just going to be too, too mix and match. Right. right? I want to be able to find something where I say, okay, I, I got something vibey that I can, and I can search of turn up the, the volume on this and get it to like where I wanted to get to that record. So, <coughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. I think we should yeah. wrap it up. I think so. Right, two hours here. Yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, make sure to come out to Flow State. Flow State. It's actually happening in like a couple of weeks. Yep. Over at the Minneapolis Eagle Lodge, uh, number 34 in uh, South Minneapolis. Uh, it's right by Memory Lanes. Um, I'm trying to get the exact address. Um, it's at um, 2507 East 25th Street, Minneapolis. Yes, East 25th Street. And... Um, yeah, so it's going to be a ten dollar cover, um, cash only. Cash only, please. Um, we're I was I was talking I was talking about this before, but I think um, maybe if, if we start to get some real good momentum, maybe we'll eventually entertain the possibility of like you know some merchandise or something, whether it's like stickers or shirts or something. But you know, we're just trying to keep this you know simple right now and keep it you know yeah we're just a grass, party. We're at grassroots level right now. So yeah, yeah. we're in. Kind of just going with the flow, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, um, eventually, it'll become a bigger party. Yeah. But for now, you know, it's we're we're um, our expectation. Well, my expectation is like, look, if it's a packed house, great. Yeah. If it's not, cool. Yeah. That's fine. I'm just here to play music, man. I'm and, just here to play music and dance with my friends and and have fun doing it because yeah. you know we've gone to a lot of places where you pay really good money and you're there. It's the scene mm-hmm. and. You kind of go like, all right, well, you know, it was okay, but you know, it wasn't like well, the vibe sucks. Yeah, the the know, and, right, and it was just so like amplified to right. the next level. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes the the funnest times that we've ever had were when it was like an unexpected. You know, somebody is like, hey, there's like an artist loft that's having a like yeah. a impromptu mm-hmm. gig. And you go out there and you're like, yo, man, that was fucking lit. Well, then you, so find fun. Out, you find out that it's actually like tie that's spinning. You're yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. Well, I already know it's going to be a good time if he's spinning. Yeah. And and, that, and that's another thing that I think that's like a really good um, uh, aspect of, of us three, you know, teaming up together for this is because we all bring something different to the table, but we're all, because we're all connected as crew, we all kind of understand how to play on the same team too. We're not like drastically different styles to where like none of it fits mm. and it's very like misshapen. It's like, no, like we, we all complement each other, I think. Yeah. And the first, the new year's party that we did, I had a phenomenal time with that just because, you know, it was like, we were just like really like flowing. We were like in the pocket with what we were doing and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. let's, let's keep that shit going. A hundred percent. But yeah, please, uh, please come out if you can. Uh, April eighth. That'll be a Saturday if you are in the Minneapolis St. Paul area. Even if you're not, you know, and you want to trek up to Minnesota, and yeah, I mean, there's obviously an event that's going to be happening right beforehand. But mm-hmm. ours starts at like eight thirty. Yeah, and there's like a like a bigger house event that's happening during the daytime. It's like a block party, I think. Ah, um, I think Mark Farina is spinning it. 
Oh, word? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> okay. So, Damn. So after that. After that. Come through. Yeah. It'll be a much cheaper. Yep. <laughs> you have to pay cash. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'll have a place to, you know, express it. I just spit. No, that's okay. Express yourself even spit more. Spit them bars. <laughs> express yourself even more. Uh, on the dance floor. Yeah, I mean, and it's um, the uh, the area out there. It's um, it's like a VFW type of uh, yeah, lodge. 100%. So they've got their their ballroom, uh, ballroom dance. It's a good floor. Rooms. Very good floors. Yeah. Uh, good lighting. Great sound. So mm-hmm. yeah, please come out if you can. The support. Drinks are not that expensive either. Yeah, they're drinks fairly. They're fairly priced. Pretty yeah, good. I mean, because because it, it's the it's the VFW vibe. So it's kind of like you know. You know, you go to some places where it's like, oh, great, it's $12 beer night. And it's like, it's like over there, you're like, what, what do you want? Uh, can I have that beer? All right. Yeah, two that's bucks. Two bucks. And you're like, what? And you're like, what? okay, uh, let me can, get everything else. Can, can, <laughs> I get, can I get six of them? <laughs> like, for you, we'll give you nine. <laughs> you're like, all right, awesome. So, yeah, please uh, please come out, um, support, uh, dress to get down. There's no dress code. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, even if you can't come out, if you could just please share yeah. share the event on your um, Instagram or on your Facebook, that would be yeah. very helpful. Yeah, help us out. Help mm-hmm. us to heal these babies, mm-hmm. have them dance to this uh, sweet music that we love so much. So Yeah, 100%. All right, well, with that being said, thank you all for tuning to another episode of Styles and Driss. And we will talk to you next week. All right, peace. Peace. Love.